All right. Beat it. Okay, we have 11 on YouTube. It's nine says... on YouTube. 11 suckers. <laughs> All right. It looks like the light is green. We're about to go live. Are you guys ready to start Coco Talk episode 111? Are we ready? Ready, Freddy. Pull the trigger. Nope, Let's do it. When has that ever stopped us? Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Leader, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. It's time to drop your socks and grab your real-time clocks and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. All right, everybody, welcome to Coco Talk episode 111. We are in the potpourri episode. We got lots to talk about, lots to catch up on. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have some fun. We're going to celebrate the cocoa. So let's rock, everybody. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8 all right and here we are we are live in living color we are here we are on the internet it is coca talk episode 111 this is the potpourri episode it is the mixed bag it is the pile of miscellany that we will get into we've got uh, uh, uh we've already got a we've already got a panel we've already got viewers waiting to to watch the show excellent 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 i'm your host og stevie stroh and we're gonna go round robin we're gonna start on the bottom right hand corner of the panel in the bottom of the world from australia where people say crikey all the time it is nick morentes good day nick <laughs> good day everyone and yeah crikey Crikey! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Nick. It's like 4 a.m. for you right now, give or uh, take, right? It's exactly 4 a.m., yep. Crikey! Nick Marentes is up at 4 a.m. All right. <laughs> we have with us a man who is... Uh, you've heard of WikiLeaks? Well, we've got Coco Talk leaks. It's Grant Leedy, the man who leaks on Coco Talk. Welcome to the show, Grant Leedy. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and uh, yeah, Steve, hush up. No, I'm sorry. All right, bless my heart. All right, we've got bless a Canadian. Gobble, gobble. Uh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> we've got a Canadian on the panel. We are an international organization here from somewhere in O Canada. A man whose name is so nice, we must say it thrice. It is Nick Marota. Nick Marota. Nick Marota. Hello, Nick. Good morning or good afternoon. Good evening. 
I'll take Coco <laughs> Potpourri for five hundred, Alex. <laughs> hey, Nick, your 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 neighbor Chad says he rarely says crikey. So <laughs> apparently, not all Australians start all sentences with the word crikey. No, it's, it's actually not used that often. It's, it's all school talk, but anyway, <laughs> oh, it's good for the tourist dollar. Yes, it is. <laughs> what stereotypes aren't true? <laughs> oh my lord! Well, we have a man who probably owns the single largest collection of TDP products and accessories on North America. Terry Steggy's in the house. Hello, Terry. Hey, everybody. How's it going? It's going good, Crikey. Uh, we, uh, we also have with us a man who's not in his garage today, but he is with us nonetheless, and we're very happy to have him. The lovable, the one you got to know, the one you want to know, Mr. Ron Delvo is with us. Hello, Ron. In my opinion, I love being here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. In our opinion, we love having you. You are hey, too kind. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, <laughs> thank you very much. The, you're, you're the man kind. who is yeah, yeah thank you thank you uh the man who's kept us on the air at times where we probably shouldn't have even been on the <laughs> air but he kept the tandy flame alive many 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 times our backup broadcast engineer mark bosley hello mark how are you oh hi hi everybody looking forward to another day of fun oh yeah another mark's with us our resident apple guy mark d overholzer hello good afternoon mark it's morning still here thank you very much glad to be here oh you are too kind, and thank you. Uh, we have uh, we have the originator of the phrase dumpster fire, which has been often imitated but never duplicated. But from Boyson Technologies, it's Richard Lorbieski's in the house. Uh, greetings. Uh, excuse me, I'm still working on my people skills, so could you just please uh, shut up? <laughs> well, here's why you're wrong, Richard. Yes, exactly. um, bless your so uh, bless your heart. All right. Uh, we've also got a guy who some people might say has a problem with collecting, but he gets lots of cool things, and we like him anyways. His name is Brian Weasler. Hello, Brian. Hello, everybody. Oh, I like the I'm a Coconut mug. Very nice. Very nice. And last but certainly not least, but we have royalty in the house, Sir David Ladd, Lord of the Floppy. We are honored to have you, David. Welcome. Hey everyone, I can't wait for our show to go through the roof today. Is everybody ready? <laughs> everybody ready? Let's do it! <laughs> wow, yes. with an intro like that, I just feel like, I don't know, uh, dousing myself with gasoline and, and just stepping into the dumpster. <laughs> oh, come like on, Richard. Yeah. I'm sure there'd be some people that would be willing to help you with that, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All the community wants to help each other to meet their goals. Oh, yeah. Snap into a Slim Jim. I got the lighter. We are a live broadcast. We are streaming live across the multiverse right now. With us in the audience, on YouTube at least, we have Chad Cunnington in Australia. We have Salvador Garcia from the Glenside Color Computer Club. All the way from uh, the planet of Tatooine, Qui-Gon is here. Michael Brandt, I'm assuming. Uh, Salvador Garcia, Qui-Gon. Davies Retro Corner. That's Davy Mitchell in the UK, I believe, or at least somewhere in the European continent. Mark Overholzer is here. Terry Steggy is here. Mark B is here. Nick Morota is here. Davies Retro Corner, Salvador uh, Matchy, Matt Che is here. We have all kinds of people. We have people watching us on Facebook right now. So on Facebook, we got Fred Doofus, 
Dufas. Sorry, Fred Duffus. Fred, it's like almost that commercial. Dude, I'm dumbass material. I want to work for dumbass. And the guy says, the name is Dumas. Right? So I'm Fred Dufas. I don't know how to pronounce your name, but I, I do apologize for that. Rick Adams is here. And for Rick Adams, I'd like to say thank you. You are too kind and thank you. So there's lots of people out there. You know who you are. Ron Delvo is here. All right. So we have introduced a Scotland. Davey says I'm in Scotland. All right. So we've introduced the panel. You know that we're here. Nobody cares. But we're moving on. Who has a project update or an acquisition show and tell item? Is there anything you want to share with the world? I have, don't everybody go at once. I have a couple acquisitions. As a, I don't know if you remember, but my Coco Du that I got a few weeks ago, unfortunately, uh, no longer starts up. So I was able to acquire another one. And the nice thing about this one is it has the updated DVD. Um, so I get the true lore case. And that's something I didn't have as a kid. I remember, okay. I remember being at Radio Shack and seeing it and, and being jealous, even though I don't know how much I would have needed it. But still, it could do something mine couldn't. So. Like okay, so you have a replacement Coco Deux. Replacement Coco Deux. And I also have a Deux. couple of software acquisitions. I have from the Wicked Mind of Rick Adams, I've got Bomb Threat. Oh, you know what he said when you purchased that? He's, well, my soundboard's not working. Never mind. Keep on going. Keep on going. I wonder if he thanked me. Did he thank me? Yes. <laughs> and from the equally Wicked Mind of Nick Morentes, I've got Popstar Pilot. Christ. Pop star pi crikey, look at that. Not only do you get Pop Star Pilot, but behind me I am running one of the plethora of bonus games that comes on the disc. And they are Excellent. all quality games. So it's quality were they properly, properly designed. Properly designed, high res graphics, a lot of nice scrolling. I'm uh very pleased. So. Excellent, excellent. And to that, I believe Rick Adams and Nick Marantes would both thank say Thank you. Yes, you're too kind and thank you. There we go. <laughs> All right. James Diffendaffer is in the audience now. He says he's taking a break from mowing the lawns. All right. So that is one project uh, acquisition from our very own Nick Morota. Nick Morota. Nick Morota. Um, did anybody else have anything they would like to share? Because sharing is caring. I got a couple of uh, couple items. Okay. Um, I've, I've hold, had... on, one, hold on. Hold on, Brian. Hold yep. on, Brian. I, I think I've still spotlighted somehow. Mute uh, spotlight video. I don't know what's going on here. I'm not seeing you. This is me not knowing how to work a um, piece of software on a modern computer. So let's do this. Let me spotlight you. Okay, you are spotlighted. Go ahead. Sorry. There you go. Um, I've had this book here uh, before. Uh, it's, the, it's, a, it's the little handbook there that kind of covers a lot of different systems, everything from the... Uh, uh, the TRS-80 model one, two, three, and four, but then also the MC-10 and the, the color computer. And uh, I recently got this one here, which is kind of the little leather-bound version of it. Ooh, the TRS-80 pocket handbook. That's so, very nice. So it, it, it covers each of the individual commands. Uh, is that going to focus there? That's there. I'm not sure. Yeah, so it focuses, and, it, and it kind of shows you the syntax and everything and how to use the command. So it's kind of a kind of a cool little, uh, little book to kind of thumb very through. Cool. And then... Uh, I got this one here, which is the Color Computer Secrets Revealed. So it kind of it kind of goes through and just kind of talks about some of the different uh, parts of the machine and and gives uh, you know what the different parts are and some basic little programs. And then uh, one that I was really kind of excited to get uh, it's the the facts, nothing but the facts. 
The Facts so, for the TRS-80 Color Computer. Yes, and so it's kind of a neat book there. It uh, it breaks down the uh, the ROM cartridge. It also uh, covers all the different computer chips, has the schematics for each one, uh, the different signaling. So, example, uh, here's one of the chips here. So you got the, the little spec sheet that goes along with that chip. Wow. And wow. Uh, and it breaks down the ROM cartridge and everything. It's kind of an oh, interesting book. It's kind of a little tech manual. That's cool. And then... Uh, one other item, if I may, uh, this one here I actually posted out on Facebook. Um, it was a set of joysticks. Here, let me grab the box here. There's a pair of joysticks for the color computer, but it was made uh, by a company called A2D. Okay. And um, they're kind of an interesting little joystick there. They uh, here's the here's what it is. You can kind of see that. Okay. And the joystick's a lot like you might see like on an RC. Radio like a, okay. a RC plane yeah. controller, but it has okay. it has the adjustments, the trims. Yep. Okay. You got the little the little tweaks on the bottom, so you can disable them to make them free floating or. Okay, or, so this is a kind of a third party deluxe joystick. Exactly. Yep. And where's uh, the fire button? I don't see the fire button. Oh, right here. It's on the end here. It's on the it's on the face of it, so you're holding. Oh, it like this that's weird. So you still yep. have to do it like a Black Beauty. Exactly. Yep. So yep. it plays like a Black Beauty, but it's got some of the mechanics of a deluxe joystick. That's interesting. Yeah, and the the end of it's a really high quality. It's a it's almost like a mic end. So, wow, yeah, it looks like a, uh, what do you call that, the XLR connectors or whatever for right. the microphones? Yeah. And um, wow. when I posted a picture out on Facebook, uh, there was a gentleman, let's see here, what's his name, Scott Dalton. He's part of the group. Okay. And uh, he actually worked for the company. It's called World Engines, Inc. It's in okay. Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, he actually uh, worked for the company, this A2D, that manufactured these. And uh, he commented that he was actually responsible for this graphic he designed that oh that's neat that's neat. on the box there so it's out of that that's book. cool if you, if you do a search for me neat uh, neat we should it. reach out to him see if he wants to jump on and join us sometime and talk about do. his experiences yeah reach yeah, out to him. Door, I will. those yeah, remind sounds. me of john strong's yeah they do that connector john strong's got a similar connection and as oh, mark okay. mark uh, overholzer was pointing out salvador garcia had a question in the live chat um where did you get that tech manual oh uh ebay <laughs> eBay. <laughs> I gotta say, you are you. Let me. Uh, I don't know if you want to give away your secrets, but are you just doing a generic TRS-80 search, or you have certain keywords? Because you seem to be finding some awesome books. You might not want to share your secrets. I'm just saying. <laughs> but um, I'll just say I have about 50 different searches set up on eBay, okay. and so I'm always getting always getting. Hits. Okay. Okay. Because so. I notice you are getting some really interesting books that most of us have never seen that are probably. You know, like the the basic, the extended basic manuals. There's probably never going to be a shortage of those. But you're finding some really interesting things, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this one here was um, this one here was really interesting, and uh, I was going to go. Who's the, who is the author of that, or who, author and or publisher of that? The facts. Oh, let's I see here. Like Chilton or a, one of those type. Oh, of Jack. Um, Webb. Jack uh, Webb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's a spectral. Uh, if it's going to focus in or not, Spectral yeah, just, read, just read it. Spectral oh, from from Spectral Associates. Okay, yep, Spectral interesting. Associates. Yep. So Tacoma, Washington. So yeah. So for those of you not aware, eBay is this thing we use about <laughs> 363 days out of the year when we're not at Cocoa Fest and we can't be bidding in the auction. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this so one actually uh, your... that one actually came as a lot. Um, it it had a, a group of other books that were with it. Uh, one that was kind of I don't have no. I'll just kind of show this only because I was going to thumb through it. I don't know if I'll keep it. I may re-eBay it back out. But it was uh, this Adam. 
word processor. Oh, oh, hey, listen, yeah. if you don't want that, I'll take that off your hands. And it's the, uh, it was the, I have a whole second. Yeah, it is the Smart Basic. Okay. And uh, it's some sort of a word processor that went with it, but it, it, it actually has, you know, the programming language. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Adam, Adam Basic was based off of AppleSoft Basic. Yeah. Oh, it was. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Except it yeah was, I didn't have a chance to really read into it or not, so I was going to look into that yeah. one. So that was kind of, uh, kind of interesting. And, uh, and then, of course, this manual came with it, too. I think we've all probably seen this one maybe before. But it's, yep. Uh, yep. So. TR-80 graphics, mostly for the Model 1 and 3, right. but still. Yeah, and the, the main reason why I snagged that one up was to get was to get this here. That was my yeah. That is something I have I have never seen, and uh, that's there. Like I don't know, it's like when it comes to the Rainbow Magazine, there's so many. I don't know that I'd want to have a, t a physical Rainbow collection, but when it comes mm -hmm. to some like unique and uncommon books. I probably wouldn't mind having a small collection of that too. And I'm sorry, Mark, you were saying something I couldn't quite hear you because there are two voices at once. But what were we oh. going to say about the the basic on the Atom computer? Oh, uh, yeah, it's like AppleSoft, and uh, but it's a Z80-based processor instead of 6502. And the word okay. processor was built in. Um, okay. It was just part of the ROM. So some of okay. my family members had one for a while until they realized how bad it was, and they got a Commodore 64 instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Stevie, I actually have a whole set of manuals, I think two set of manuals for the uh, Atom. Hmm. Trying to find them a new home, so. Neat, neat. So, yeah, I mean, I don't. I, go ahead. Sorry, Brian. Oh, no, I was just gonna say this one here uh, because of the type of binder that's on it, it, it comes apart real easy. And I was gonna see if, and maybe I'll share this one out on the archive there if it's not. Oh it's, yeah, that would be neat. It's so, called spiral bound. They come apart with a machine. Yeah, yeah. But I'll probably. Uh, I think uh, at the front, the front desk at the office I work, I think they got one. They can probably show me how to operate it, so I can I can run a computer, but I can't. <laughs> yeah, right. Me. <laughs> I can't run the fucking machine, you know. But anyway, so. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that one might be one I can share out there real easy because some of them, you know, when that's an actual book, it's hard to scan it in. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, but there. So. Okay. Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. Very cool. Well, thanks for sharing. Sharing is caring. Um. Now, who else has a show and tell, uh, project update, acquisition? So no, I, Terry. I just have Stegi. a quick one. Go ahead, Rondova. Uh, right here. As you can see, this box, it's a uh, realistic speaker. And that's what I use with uh, my uh, TDP 100. And uh, the Coco VGA in there has the um, sound out. I can plug it right into it. And I hear Creedence okay. Clearwater, which is right here. <laughs> yes. Very cool. <laughs> On my Coco, which is On fun. On your Coco. That's it. There was like very six cool. bucks. Goodwill, love Goodwill. Goodwill, like dude. My Goodwill's got nothing awesome. You, what? you got the best Goodwill. My Goodwill's got no retro tech in it, man. What? My Goodwill's got old stinky clothes, man. That's about it. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. I want to come come visit your Goodwill, dude. Come, like come. A, yeah, yeah. It's like cool. 109 today, though. But <laughs> <laughs> Terry Steggy, did you have something you wanted to say? Show. A couple things. Um, kind of along the lines of Brian's there. I got a. <clears throat> basically, I found this lady said it was her. I think it was her dad's coding book. He kind of kept photocopies and stuff in, just different programs and kind of hard to see. Sorry, but sorry, sorry. What I really liked, and I about fell over. I also collect a lot of TRS eighty stuff. It has the original manuals for uh the expansion board for the bring one bring it up a little higher we're only getting the top of the book bring it up a little higher okay cool cool i like it i like it yes but what really got me was the uh what really got me well there you go there's your real-time clock 
Keyboard, debounce, and real-time clock. Okay. And then I got one of those, uh, the screen printers that kind of spit out a silver paper. Um, one of the very first ones. Well, I didn't have a book for it, so it actually has the original book for that. So I was pretty happy about that. Okay. And then I found you can never have too many serial printer Interface. Ooh. Interface. I, David Ladd. Find anymore. I don't know why, but I got one of those. Yeah, one of those. Yep. And then, as a big Star Wars nut, I found Lucasfilm's Coke. Rescue on Fractalus. Is that still sealed? Yep, still sealed. Okay. That, that was kind of cool. Yes, absolutely. And then my project, well, got a plotter I'm going to work on. Okay. Wow. And the last thing I got, which is Coco Talk's fault from a couple <laughs> episodes ago, I got the uh, network. Oh, this is where you can hook up all the cassette cables where exactly. you can, uh, you, teacher hits load and then all of a sudden everybody can save at the same time or teacher hits save, students hit load and you're pushing out the file to the classroom. Exactly. So I thought I'd try to mess with that a little bit and, Oh, that is actually pretty cool. So that's that's my haul for the week or so. Well, bless your heart. That's quite the collection there. So that's I will really pray nice. for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Well, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Anybody else have a show-and-tell moment, something they wanted to share? David Ladd, have you been frying anything up in the pan? Oh, I've been frying up a lot of stuff. Just unfortunately, <laughs> no videos to show. Okay, well, you can give us some audio if you want to tell us about something, or is it too soon? No, it's pretty much the same stuff we covered last week. The okay, uh, boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we ought to be thankful it didn't involve the fire department yet. So. <laughs> oh, just wait. I'm experimenting with with setting the temperature on the mug warmer up to the point where my alcohol's actually boiling. <laughs> wow, David's mad labs. Are, it's, it's something else. I'm scared. I'm really scared. He's going to see the fire department sooner than later. Oh, and, the, wow. and the EPA. Yes. If the flames coming from your house last for more than four hours, right? So it's... Uh, Wow. Wow. So yeah, very cool. Uh, so nobody else has a project update or acquisition. I've got one thing to show, which I can show last, um, but I might give everybody else a chance. I know Richard has got some stuff he's going to talk about. Maybe we'll take a quick break before Richard uh, has his announcement that he's going to be uh, announcing. Anybody else? Last call for project updates, acquisitions, show and tell. Anyone? Anyone? No, Bueller, Bueller. All right, so I, I avoided showing this off last week just because our introductions and update segment was like in a, an hour and 99 minutes or something like that. So I figured I'll just wait to show off my acquisition for another time. So I will go ahead and do that now. This was given to me. And it is, uh, it is called, let me just hold it up here. I believe this is called the Omnibot. And it's pretty big. It kind of looks like an R2-D2 with a dome head with a pair of eyes that look like from Wall-E or Short Circuit or something. Um, it's got a pretty cool remote control with batteries 
I believe it runs on battery, so I believe it can be both remote controlled as well as programmed because if you take off its tray, he's got a cassette deck on here and I believe you could actually use a cassette to record instructions and program this robot and then just replay the tape and have it like, you know, do whatever it did. So it's kind of neat. I don't even know if it works, but it's kind of retro. It's from Tommy Toys. It's an 80s thing. I know people have been posting stuff about using the Coco to control those those toy robot arms and stuff like that. So I just thought this was kind of cool. Omnibot. Is that what it's called? An Omnibot? I don't know what the hell it's called. But T-O-M-Y. Tommy, right? I think, um, I, I think I, yeah, I can't remember. I think you can actually, when you use the remote, you can record and it'll kind of It'll say, okay, go this far for this distance and the, or this okay. time, and then you can turn left, and it kind of remembers. But then I, I seem to recall it, you, you can kind of program it kind of like you do with the logo language where you say go this way okay. and turn, but I don't know. I think okay. So, I think yeah, I guess that's what it's called. It is called the Omnibot, and it's got a fairly large remote. <laughs> Davey Mitchell says leave it outside and see if lightning strikes. But, yeah, this has got a really long telescoping antenna. To communicate with it, I mean, this antenna is, uh, you know, what? it's just like, wow, uh, it's a, it's pretty long. And I'm going to avoid saying that's what she said, but this is the antenna uh, for it. And uh, so it's kind of neat. Somebody literally gave it to me. And so if it if it doesn't work and I can't make it work because I'm not <laughs> Johnny Five alive, right? So Nick Marota says it. Number five, Johnny Number Five alive. Um, so, uh, uh, Matchy says we can control it with the Cocoa Wi-Fi. Who knows what we can do with it, but if, if it would be cool to make it actually work. <laughs> Salvador says, yes, Davey, next week the Cocoa Talk's new host is the Omnibot. Twice the personality. All right, so. <laughs> It'll play Dungeons and Dagger. Welcome half the price. Welcome to Cocoa Talk. Yeah, twice the personality, half the cost. All right, very cool. So, that was my prod. Uh, acquisition, I guess you could say. Um, I, I will throw out this question that maybe we can answer later if we if we run out of things to talk about. Um, I did run into a problem getting my speech sound pack audio to come out of my composite mod, and I know I know Ed Snyder replied and a few people replied, but it's literally over my head. I don't understand electronics, so maybe just want to plant that seed if we can remember to possibly come back later if we literally have nothing else to talk about. Maybe you guys can explain to me how Coco Audio uh, hardware hacks are supposed to work and why this probably might not work. I know some of the stuff Ed Snyder said is try to reseat all the chips. It could be the PIA. Who knows? I haven't tried that. I will. But we don't have to get into that now. So before we get onto the Boyson Tech announcements, I thought we're gonna do we're gonna do a couple of things. I got a couple of cute little uh, published, produced little pieces that we're gonna play for you. I'll run a commercial break. And then we will come back. So I'm going to replay a clip that we debuted last week for the first time. But this is hopefully a new segment that will have um, more things coming. But it's called Coco Thoughts. I'm assuming it's kind of inspired by the Saturday Night Live bit. It was called Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. right? So these are Coco Thoughts. So we'll re-air last week's Coco Thoughts. We've got a new segment um, featuring Nick Marionettes. And so we've got a brand new segment that will debut... And we'll run a commercial, and then we'll come back. So enjoy these little things, and then we'll be back with Richard Lorbieski of Boyson Technologies. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. If you're using your color computer in Quebec, 
and it stops working, is it now a cocoa won't do? Nick Marionette on Electricity. Crikey! Electricity's a fad! The biggest market is just open flame! Brought to you by Nitro Stein, Ease of Use Edition. Hashtag OS9 Forever. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing Daggereth like that idiot from the book. <laughs> You're watching Coco Talk. From Radio Shack, the TRS-80 Model 3. And at $200 off, it's a great value. Select from Radio Shack's huge program library to aid your children's education, plan your personal and household budgets, or to entertain with fast-action games. You can even learn to write programs. The TRS-80 Model 3, on sale for $7.99, only at Radio Shack and Radio Shack Computer Centers, the computer experts. We now return you to Coco Talk. Do you see that huge software library? There were a good seven or eight tapes in that. Huge, huge. Yeah. All right. Well, it looks like somebody's wanting to join, and unfortunately, we cannot verify your identity. They're showing up as a Samsung name. So, uh, unfortunately, we've had to implement some security measures on the Zoom call because we've had some people come in and troll us while we're live and post nude photographs and other inappropriate thing so i'm sure i'm not sure who samsung blah 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 is who's trying to join but you might want to um, get your zoom figured out where we can figure out who you are but we have to be careful before we let people in live so um we're here we have uh, an announcement richard are you going to be on camera or are you just going to verbalize what you have to say for us is there anything you need to share or show oh no no it's going to just be verbalization so all right so um let me go ahead and change the heading here. So is this is this a Richard announcement or is this a Boyson announcement? It's a Boyson announcement. Okay, let's fix this. All right, well Richard, uh, let's let's play some some dramatic music here too for this announcement. You know what? Screw it. Soundboard's not working. Go ahead. Pretend like there was some music. There. Oh well, I was I was <laughs> actually going to propose to David Ladd, but uh, I decided. To do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, uh, th this was uh, this was something I was thinking of doing for a very long time, 
and so I was, uh, and, and the thing is, I'm, I'm not quite ready with it, but I was going to just go ahead and do the announcement, but uh, I am going to release the Boomerang uh, schematics, the firmware, what they call a CPLD, uh, and, and documentation, and I'm going to release it as open source. That also includes the uh, classic 512 board as well. So people will be able to download it. Uh, they can look at it. They can modify the code if they wish. Uh, they can even build one themselves. But uh, right now I'm working on, it's, I'm using the same guidelines as the Open uh, Source Hardware Association. So I just want to make sure that everything is uh, to their standards before I release everything. Oh, neat. And I don't fully understand the ramifications of this. It sounds like a very kind and generous thing to do. And I know um, Jim Brain has mentioned that all of his products and all of his designs are also released where the actual designs are released as open source. So, but um, part of me from asking, what's, what's the angle? Is there an angle? I don't understand. And I'm just asking the question because I literally don't. Well, the house wise what's what's the benefit what's the pros or cons to this well i mean the pros are that that uh if there are people that that want to just tinker with some of the things or just curious at how things work they can actually you know look at it you know in and even uh physically build one if they wish uh another advantage is if uh for any reason let's say uh i decide to leave you know let's say abruptly uh you know say die or something like that i'm, I'm I'm, and, I'll, and I'll address something else. But um, at least the things are there because many times you have products that are out there and, and then all of a sudden the developer leaves and nobody knows how to support it or what to do okay. and things like that. Right. So with open source, you know, people then can just take the torch, you know, pick up the, the, the torch and they can continue on with it. I have an announcement. Okay, yeah. Ron's Garage will start making 512K boards soon. Well, go right <laughs> ahead. And, that, and that's, that's one of the things is uh, if, you, if you wish to do that, uh, okay. you can download all that and you can make okay. your own. Um, but again, there's, there's guidelines. Now, To uh, I know some of the questions would be, is the boomerang still up for sale? Is it going to be for sale? The answer is it will continue to be for, uh, uh, sold. Uh, I mm -hmm. still am going to support the boomerang. I have no intention of leaving the Coco community uh, whatsoever. But I just uh, I, I figure this would be a, a good way to sharing uh, the project. Uh, so then you know, the other thing is people can look at, especially the CPLD code, the, what has also been happening, um, a couple of people have looked at the LED. And they're like, oh, you have an LED. And so now people are writing code to do things with the LED I didn't even think that would even be possible or even be interesting, but um, there's, there's a couple of utilities in Nitrous 9 that have been written for it uh, that will soon be released on the EOU5. Okay. Uh, there was another person uh, working on a, a, a project to where uh, you would see an activity light on the or on that LED when you did disk access, accesses. Okay, the, uh, like a like a disk blinky light that you right, would have on a right. PC. So you did it on the SDC. So you okay. Can do that. So uh, again, uh, this this will help aid in uh, for those you know that kind of development. 
Okay, so this is this is so you basically Boisson Technologies current product offerings, the technical schematics and details will be released in open source. What about something new? What happens if you introduce something like the didgeridoo, the next new thing? Will that automatically be released where you have you can physically buy it and you can look at the open source at the same time? Will there be a a, a waiting period from the initial release to the public no, uh, I actually intend to make all my projects uh, when, when I release them as open source. Okay. So it would be at okay. the same time. It's just that I'm, I'm still looking at the guidelines uh, to make absolutely sure before I... Uh, well, there, there are things you have to follow for you know, to be true open source. You know, okay. have those guidelines. Uh, okay, so you're talking about guidelines that you're going to try to follow when making this information available, but what enforcement is there for somebody else who wants to take, like like Ron just kind of said, well, hey, I'm going to make the boomerang board and I'm going to sell it. Are there guidelines for the fact that it's in open source? Can somebody literally just reproduce the exact same product and sell it? Is that within the guidelines? Yep, they can do that. It's, it's, they can modify the code. They can change it, uh, whatever they wish. Now... If, if they do something like that, of course, they have to acknowledge where it came from, and they also have to acknowledge, you know, uh, that, hey, I got this from open source and, uh, and from this place, you know, from Voice on Tech. So they have well, to acknowledge those things. Okay, now let's, let's, let me just play devil's advocate and let me just pl and, well, play And on the other the... thing is it doesn't mean that it's public domain. That's a, there's a big difference. I still hold the rights to that. Okay, Oh. So I could actually, you know, I could, if, if I wanted to, I could probably take legal action against them if I wanted. Okay, so it's open source, but it's not public domain. Okay, right. again, and I don't understand, so I'm just asking the questions because I'm just trying to wrap my brain around it, but I, I'm assuming you know what the hell you're talking about. Right, so. yeah, it's, yeah, the guidelines are, are, it's called the Open Source Hardware Association, which is, uh, what's the link? It's OH, or I'm sorry, OSHWA.org. Okay, okay. And it has so, all the information about open source, the logo, uh, you know, uh, and, and uh, the definition and things like that. Okay, I'm having a few people in the live chat say they're hearing a echo. I am not hearing any echo in my own headset, but I'm not sure what you guys are hearing in the stream. So let me know if that's better or worse uh, as we continue. Thanks, thanks for bringing that to our attention. Um, okay, so that's the announcement. So Boisson Technologies products will be released. These, the information about these products will be, the information will be open source. The products right. will still well, be no, for the, sale. No, here's, it's, it's the boomerang. The boomerang. Right. Okay, okay, the boomerang. Now, the thing about open source, it means, you know, it's not everything gets open source. I can pick and choose what is open source and what is not. Okay. So, it, you know, if I come up with a new project, I can decide not to open source that. Right. Okay. Okay. Cool. So is that the announcement or is there more? Anything oh, else? No, no, no. That, that, that is the announcement. Uh, that... It should be available. I'm going to probably put it on GitHub. It may be a week or two. I don't want to put a timeline on it. But again, it's just I want to make sure that everything is uh, within the, the, the open, open source hardware uh, guidelines. Okay. Okay. And then I would imagine you maybe will link to it from your website too, boysontech.com. Right. Okay. Uh, does, anybody Chad, else in this does anybody else do this in the community, or is it just you and uh, Jim Brain? Uh, I think. Well, there there was uh, uh, 
Alan Huffman does, you know, I think. Yeah, well, yeah. So so going back in the history that I can think of, so Barry Nelson published the original design for the, uh, what would become the switcheroo cable. Now that design needed to be adjusted with some capacitors and resistors, but Barry said, hey, I came up with this idea. I have no desire to make it or sell it. So poof, I'll just throw it out there. Alan Huffman's doing that with Sir Sound and some of his Cocoa Wi-Fi modules. Um, Jim Brain is doing that. Right, but they're, they're, they go in a different way. Not Jim Brain, but the other guys. Uh, if you do true open open uh, source, there's a lo- you can if you follow guidelines, you can put a logo on there that's showing designating as open source. So that's that's what I'm doing. Mm. Okay. Um, but other <laughs> people other people can you can you know you you can if you want to release something open source, you can just say hey, it's open source. But this okay. is basically documenting. The, the fact that it is open source, so, so there is no any kind of uh, uh, argument or uh, misunderstanding or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the joystick adapters that I, I sell, that came from an open source, um, and it's been widely published everywhere, uh, you know, from the Cocoa uh, Wikipedia uh, to everywhere else. So, Okay. So, so that's one example where somebody else designed it put it out there and then you just did kind of like what ron was kind of joking saying hey i'm going to be selling boomerang boards you went ahead and made that now you took an op- well the now uh, the the design so did you literally with your joystick adapter say here's the schematics that joe made i'm going to just remake joe's thing or would, was there anything else you did to fine-tune it revise it well uh the only thing i did was i just made it smaller into uh, the de9 hood now there was there was a, a guy out in Australia that w- uh, have been selling them. Uh, prox- I think in around two, 2016, 2015. I didn't know about that. Uh, right before I released it, Mark Overhoser pointed out the article in Atari Age or the the post, yep. and I went over there and looked at his entire the, the entire thread. And north and towards the end, the guy just said, uh, "These things are hard to to make. I really don't want to make them." And he released it up to OSH Park. Okay. So he, he kind of like, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to do these anymore. But mine was the way that I did it was independently different of his. So it, you know, I wasn't. You so, know, I so there was somebody else who did something similar to you, your micro microization of it, but right. you you were not aware of that at the time. I was not aware. Of it. Okay, that's that's cool. I, I mean, I, I, I see pros and cons to both of the different joystick adapters. I, I think the fact that yours is small and in line and takes up very little space, would, would I think uh, there's a market for that where people who would appreciate that. Uh, the, the one that I have, I've got the box that, uh, that John and Neil made, the, the bigger box with the big plastic hobby box. What I actually like about that design is I can have both my left and right joysticks plugged in at the same time. And then from the box in the front of the Coco, I can just move between left and right. Because even the other night as I'm playing games, I have to keep reaching behind and unplugging and moving joysticks back and forth, which is a pain. Now, of course, somebody said, well, Steve, you could have just had two joysticks plugged in. But yeah, I digest. <laughs> I like well, the I... fact that if I need to switch from left to right, having them in the front is convenient. So, So for me, I actually prefer the bigger box with the longer cable extensions where I have more accessibility to them but i i think 
different strokes for different folks, you know. Well, and also his his uh, uh, also when it comes to the gamepad, it supports all the all the buttons as oh, well. Oh yeah, there's extra functionality too, which right. I would, so again, yeah. it, it comes down to choice. It's it's uh -huh. just w which one you prefer, and that's like one of those things that I've always uh, have said: choice is good. So. Yeah. Hey, Alan Huffman, we need you to join us. You need to get on Zoom. It's the same Zoom call that we've used. If that was you calling in where it said Samsung SG8 or whatever the hell it said, get on here, Alan, because we need to address some things you brought up with some things. We're going to talk about some stuff you posted and a question you have about the switcheroo and RGB and VGA and TTL and ESP and all that good stuff. So get, get your butt on here, Alan Huffman. Uh, okay, cool, Richard. Well, that is interesting. Again, I, I, I'm not playing dumb. I just don't fully understand it. It sounds like a great thing. Um, and and thank you. You're too kind. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Bless your heart. Bless uh, your heart. <laughs> uh, okay. So that was the big announcement. Wow. feels like we're out, we're out of gas. Show's over. All right, guys. See you later. Bye See you next week, week, right? <laughs> Put a fork in us. We're done. Um, okay. We got lots of news to cover. Um, we have some video content that we can show. I want Tom C to be here because Tom C recorded a bunch of stuff from walking around at VCF East. When did VCF East happen? That happened right around the time of Cocoa Fest, didn't it? In Jersey? Do you guys remember when it that, was? The, it was same. one of the same days. It was okay. Yeah, so VCF East took place right, literally the same weekend as Cocoa Fest. Our very own Tom C from Jersey was there. We've got a lot of video footage of that event that we want to show off. But I'd kind of like Tom to be here just just because, because I don't know what the hell I'm be talking about. So we'll save that. Um, I do have a video segment we could show later if we're really running out of content and things to talk about. I've got a 20-minute video where I, uh, with the help of my hardware friends, we installed a two meg uh, memory board. But how about we do this before we go on to news, maybe we'll go back to my question and you can help me understand Coco Audio. Um, and Alan Huffman, get your butt on this call. Um, my problem with getting the speech sound pack audio to come out of my composite mod, can you guys explain that to me in a way that I will understand because I am not uh, a hardware guy. I'm not a circuit guy. I don't understand these fancy electric words. Can somebody talk to me like I'm five years old with this? Anyone? Pretty good. No. It, it, I guess it depends on your um, your mod. I yeah, mean, I, can just, you, I can tell you it, what it I did on mine. Go ahead, Ron. Delva. On mine, uh, I have the same machine. I uh, put the uh, Coco VGA in, and then. Um, I had forgotten to get the uh, audio cable from him, <clears throat> from uh, Donahue. Is that his name? Brendan Donahue, yes. yes. And he sent me one in the mail, and uh, he gave me instructions on how to put it in. There was a ground and the and the third pin on the um, RF box. Okay. I, I soldered both ends. It worked. Okay. Um, do you have that same cable? I don't have anything. My my. TDP 100 was pre-modded, was pre-composite modded before I bought it. So I don't know how the audio lines were tapped. I don't know if it was hit to a ground or I don't know do what it was. Holes, do you have holes in the back of the machine? Yeah, I have holes in the back of the machine with the RCA jack, yeah. So do so you have do you have an eighth-inch jack, uh, female? Stuff? No, I don't have an eighth-inch yeah. jack. It's just the RCA jack. It's a single RCA jack that the, uh, the audio is going to. As I recall, your ready, regular audio was working. It was just the stuff coming from just the, the stuff coming board. from the cartridge. Yeah. 
Uh, Chad, if that was you, when you tried to join, it said the name said Samsung, and we I didn't let it in because I wasn't sure who that was. If that was you trying to join, Chad, go ahead and try again, and we'll let you on. We just have to be a little bit careful because we've had some people trolling us live with some in, uh, obscene content um, coming through. So go ahead and try and join again, Chad, and we'll let you on. Um, yeah, it seemed like it was making noise from the DAC, like I could hear Coco games, but I could not hear anything from the speech sound pack coming through the uh, MPI. So it was just really weird, and it just seemed to defy science, you know? All right, but the silence is deafening, so we got nobody here to chime in on that. That's great. Thanks, losers. All right, so we're going <laughs> to... Um, I have to look at the. I have to look at the speech. Uh, yeah. Schematics. I, 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 if I said anything, I would actually be like guessing. So. Yeah. No. No. I, I have a feeling it has something to do with how my audio is tapped in, and it's tapped in in a way where it's not getting everything. Is my guess. Okay. So go ahead, try again, Sam. Uh, Samsung S9. Chad Cunningham is going to try to join us from his Samsung device. Uh, hey, Steve. Try to know. Steve, I, I would have tried to. Uh, doing something with a cassette and having the sound of speech pack right into your computer and see if you can actually make it work. Try an Orc 90 cartridge. Yeah, we could try an Orc 90 cartridge. That's the same. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to really do any more troubleshooting since then, but I just figured I would try to pick some brains, but apparently it's it's slim pickings. All right. All right, me and you just joined, says new to the channel. Hey, me and you. All right, so we got news to cover. Some of the news includes some stuff that Alan Huffman posted. Alan Huffman, are you with us? Are you? Do you hear us? Are you able to speak back to us? I am here. Okay, so I will be covering in the news a few things you've posted, but since you're here, maybe we can address them with you as well. So when we get to that part, we will go ahead and, and cue that up. So are you guys ready to jump into some Coco news? Yeah. All right, so we're going to do that right now. Uh, of course, my freaking soundboard's not working again. All right, so, um, and, and again, because I have not been hosting this show a lot in the past multiple weeks, there's a lot of news articles that I didn't get to that I wanted to get to, so some of these are not necessarily current, current events. Like this one, this one was posted actually way back in May 15th, but this was from uh, Boise Pete. And for those of you who remember... Um, um, uh, Boise has been working on this project to preserve the Rainbow Magazine and have them bound in a library and stuff like that. And it was uh, people did some Kickstarter stuff to help fund purchasing the the hard binders for them. These are all originable. Look at these binders; these look really nice, right? And so these are going in a library to be preserved forever. Um, and they just look really nice. And uh, this is going to ho hopefully eventually be the entire Rainbow Collection. All right. Hey, Mr. Beat, stop spamming my channel trying to get people to subscribe to whatever crap you got going on there. So if you post it again, one of my moderators will kick you out of there. Uh, so here's Boise looking at the magazines. Here's the binders. The oh, here we go. Oops. Actually, I'd be concerned with this music being copywritten, so I'm gonna, I'm not going to uh, play the music. But yeah, it looks good, right? So here's Boise looking at the binders. So uh, each binder will cover a period of time, and the magazines are there for for people to to touch, right? So this is preserving the the physical history of Rainbow. Cool stuff, right? Anyone? Anyone? Anybody got comments on that? No, I think it's really neat. 
uh, you know, kind of a nice, uh, you know, because I, I recently was able to get uh, almost the whole collection of uh, of Rainbow magazines, and uh, that's kind of a neat way of uh, of doing it. Because I just got mine like in magazine boxes, so I can grab them as I need it. But that's really a neat way of doing it. Right. Right. So thank you, Boise, for for wanting to do that, and thank you for those who. Um, uh, generous Ron Klein, Mike Rowan, John Linville, Neil Blanchard, Brendan Donahue, Fader Stamen, Scott Kelly, Mark Marlett, Tim Leonard. Um, uh, the names are just, let's go back. Let's get all the names. Let me scroll back. Well, where are these okay. being kept? Uh, in a library somewhere. Maybe the credits. He, it says it in his post. I'll tell you in a second, right? So who are the people who contributed towards this? Ron Klein, Michael Rowan, John Linville, Neil Blanchard, Brendan Donahue, Fedor Stamen, Scott Kelly, Mark Marlette, Tim Lindner, Ken Carlin, Mitch Cohen, Mark Chatelaine, Douglas Jones, and Boise Pete. So these are people who all uh, put up their money to pay for the binders. Th special thanks to the Ev Evangeline Parish Library in Vile Platte, Louisiana, for hosting the collection. So there you go. Did that answer your question? Yep. I'm probably not pronouncing these things right with the proper... Nope. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably get... Uh, probably get uh, you How know, do you really feel, Ron? <laughs> Okay, what, how would you pronounce that word there? Ville... It's Ville. Ville, Ville Plate, woohoo. Ville Plate in Louisiana. Uh, oui, oui, I don't know. I uh, sound like uh, Pepe Le Pew. Didn't see a wee wee there. A wee -wee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, that's what Grant Leedy does on the show. All right, so, um, so that's cool. So that's a project that Boise has been trying to get done. It looks like it's, it's made some progress. This original post was from may 15th and there's some more information in here um cool stuff it looks cool and that's just a neat project of literally preserving part of our history so thank you boise for doing that another one from boise pete this is the um this is the artwork the the kind of breakout 3d model of the coco was it paul shoemaker who did this who who did this work here yeah uh, paul shoemaker yeah so yeah. paul shoemaker got the artwork cleaned up and and kind of got it you know imaged out to a poster size thing where you could get this printed so paul had one printed and framed i guess boise got one printed and framed and i have to say it does look nice i mean it's kind of geeky and kind of technical and scientific all at the same time and it does make a nice little wall piece of wall art you know so yeah, that's cool i think paul's still out on the lookout for a good coco three breakout but yeah, I don't think I don't think there's anything out there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I actually I would like to have one of these. I know I know at this point that makes me a, a copycat, but I would like to have one. I think they look neat. I would proudly wear one. Yeah, that's what Paul says in the Facebook Live right now. I'm working on the Coco Three one right now, so he's actually working on one. So that's cool. Uh, again, some of my new stuffs are old because I'm old and I'm a little bit behind. But our good friend Tony Jimenez, Jimenez. Uh, back on May the 17th, he posted that he got his new Mega Mini MPI. Woot, woot, woot. So there's uh, Tony. He's got his Mega Mini from Ed Snyder, the Zipster. So show the love, share the love. That's cool. Now, Alan Huffman, you are here. I'm glad you are here, Alan. I've got two or three of your posts that I've organized together. But one of them, Alan posted this one on May the 28th. This is a, an older picture of, of Alan Huffman and Alan Badiger. Of, of cloud nine so anything you want to say to this that since you're uh, here you, you can say it alan 
That's Alan Badiger of Microware. 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 I, I said Cloud9. I'm sorry. Yeah. Real-time <laughs> services in Dallas, OS, Texas. OS9, I was thinking, and I said Cloud9. Microware, OS9. There you go. My bad. Yeah, since I was uh, work talking to him a lot lately about the community edition of OS9, I figured I'd dig up that picture and share it. That was the last time I made any type of trade show appearance representing the OS9 product. And, of course, they brought in um, Alan Badiger to be there, too, because he's been okay. such a crucial point um, with OS9's history in America. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was on the show not too long ago. And I, d I will notice here that in this picture, your beard is a lot yeah, darker. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> this, that was totally worth coming in from outside. <laughs> so this was taken when now? This is from what year? 2001. Well, that that was 18 years ago, right? Uh, 2006, I think. 2006. Okay. All right. Still, yeah. All right. But no, that's a cool picture. A nice little slice of history. So thank you for sharing that with us. Alan Huffman of Subeth Software. You also posted a couple of things where you were going through um, this one you had posted back in May 15th, but it was uh, so this was Frank Swaggart talking up the Raskan at the 1994 Atlanta Cocoa Fest. Now, this is something that Nick Morentes, were you involved in the Raskan, Nick? Yes, the Raskan, which later became the Duke Scan as well. Okay. What you got? Oh, you got. You you got you oh, so this obviously they haven't set up yet. No. You've never seen an old one? No. It's about the size of that book and that thick. Oh, really? This is the new one. That's the only one That's I have. I'll have to take orders for them. I've got, in fact, I've got four on order. They're coming from Australia. So how much is it? 175. 175 bucks. I'll buy it. I may take you up on doing a deal to do some OS9 software. It depends. I would really like to see technical stuff on it before I commit to it, though. I've got that. Okay, we'll take I a look that. at it because I um, I may be able to do it. So that's cool. So what? So to tell us a little bit more about that whole Raskan thing, there, Alan. Well, Raskan was that was that was it. That was the best of all the video digitizers ever produced for the color computer because it supported the color computer three resolutions. Uh, he had software tricks designed into it. So if you had a camera, you could uh, record it under a red filter, a green filter, and a blue filter, and it would put it together and give you a color picture. So you took three pictures through your camera with a filter on it, and the software could turn that into color. Um, it was the most amazing video digitizer we had, and you didn't need a multi-pack for it. So it was, it was gold. You know, that's what I wanted. I just couldn't, I couldn't afford one back then. Mm. And I, that was probably the first time I ever saw one in person. It was just something I saw advertised in Rainbow Magazine back then. Do you know okay. of any um, examples of, uh, you know, the result of those three colors put together in a picture or two? Result Nick showed it to us at the uh, Pin Fest in 2000. He demonstrated how it worked. That was the first time I got to see one live. So I, I bet you Nick's got plenty of examples. If That'd be cool to keep, post. Keep on with the show and maybe we can have a segment later on. If I can dig it up and if it works uh, on my PC, I can just share the video. Good. Uh, yeah. We'll see if we can do that later on. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Here was another what I thought was interesting video. This was Alan Huffman. Uh, uh, he posted this a while ago at a 1994 Atlanta Cocoa Fest, a crowded sub-Etha hotel room, I think the Friday night before. So let's take a look at this. Hey, Todd. Hey, Todd. 
Parties in Alan's place. We're talking about carriage returns and buffers at this point. This is before the ESP TTL discussions were taking place on Drivewire. Uh, carriage returns and buffers. I mean, uh, what, are we, us coconuts, we really know how to... <laughs> Well, you know how to lighten up the room with tech talk, right? Uh, this is good stuff, though. Who, do, who was that talking? Do you remember, Alan? Um, James Jones was there. Boise Petrie was there. There were a couple of others involved in that discussion. Um, and when the Coco Fest would happen, you know, we were all outsiders. We were merchants that showed up, set up our booths, or we were uh -huh. attending. Yeah. And so we didn't have access to the showroom and things like that. So these meetings happened all over the hotel in different rooms. There were yeah. all these after-hour get-togethers. Um, it was it was a very different vibe. And then Glenside finally said, well, let's just keep the room available and everybody can just hang out together. And that's where that changed is once Glenside yeah. started letting us hang out in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. Neat. Yeah. But these are these are like the conversations we'd have in the lobby at Coco Fest, you know, before and after the show. We're just sitting here talking about subjects or like in the exhibit room now at Coco Fest where. Um, you know, people are every, every table is a different little conglomeration of people talking about something, but it's all cocoa related. It's all kind of techie. Um, and this is a neat little slice of history here. This is from, uh, 1994 Atlanta. I've never been to a cocoa fest, so this is literally my only chance to see a slice of what being at a cocoa fest might have been like, you know? Because like it could be like a like nine B. We'll be right back. It works for me now, but then there's a bug in the one point seven. So oh, what if you have a nine B nine B? I don't know. You said you put in a wall. Is the second great image stabilization on the camera? Those guys are nuts. Those are really cool. Two codes. What can you do? Normally you go to a character. But I don't know what we accept with Chris. But I'm wondering if it's a character. Okay, so that's a little behind the scenes of 1994 Atlanta Cocoa Fest. I, I didn't recognize any of the faces, unfortunately, but that you know we're talking about a long time ago. Um, uh, uh, there was something else that you had posted uh, from Alan. I don't remember where it was. I need to find it. Uh, I got a lot of things here. But uh, so if I can't find it, you were basically, you had posted a question or you seemed to help me understand what was going on here, Alan, with the whole, you're trying to figure out how to use the switcheroo and compare it to the VGA products. I could have well, sworn I had that queued up somewhere. Yeah, I've got a sure... gallery on the Subetha page. All right. Um, yeah, so back in 2017, I started uh, writing articles for Vintage is the New Old, and I've got uh -huh. a draft that's been sitting there for years that is basically modern solutions for color computer. We can still get a color computer at a goodwill, but it's really hard to find floppy drives, a CM8 monitor, things like that. So what I was doing is I was collecting in one spot. You know, if you've got a color computer, you wanna use it now, it probably won't hook to your TV set. So here's gonna be the ways you can hook it to monitors. Here's the alternatives for a floppy drive because you can't get floppy disks anymore, things like that. And so um, I recently discovered that I owned a switcheroo cable 
and I had an after hours chat with folks uh, here in Zoom. And so I ordered all the cables I needed in, in one of the boxes. And then since I still have the VGA um, uh, FPGA adapter from Cloud9, I can start doing comparisons. And so my goal is to try to document as many of the solutions that people can get today and, you know, pictures of them, you know, this is going to be the one that's best for games. For instance, the Cloud9 VGA adapter simulates artifact colors. So if you were going to be a person who wanted to play a lot of color computer one and two artifact color games, it's not your best choice because the colors don't look right. They're close, but they're not accurate. The switcheroo or a composite monitor is 100% accurate. So it is the best choice for that. And so I just got to keep ordering boxes until I can find one and get all the modes documented that gives me the crisp 80 column display I need for OS 9 because it looks like switcheroo is the best by far of all the solutions if you can find the right converter box because it's just a cable. It doesn't do anything. The converter right. box does the work. And I am having a hard time finding all the recommended converter boxes that people have told me to get are out of stock. And so I'm still going through yeah. solutions. But that's what that is. I'm going to show as many okay. solutions as I can on the same monitor. And my hope is I'm just going to be using the SCART converter box because it should be the one box to rule them all. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Does, is the Cloud9 VGA board, is that still a current product you can purchase? Because I, no. I've, I've not seen it listed at a Cocoa Fest. I've not it's seen not, it. It's not. In fact, I talked to Mark about that. He's about to do another run of them with okay. some updates. And okay. you can still get the open source one. But again, you have to have somebody that's going to build and populate the board. And then you got to order the FPGA board and plug it all together. Mm -hmm. So it's possible, but not for me. I, right. I have one of the adapters, but I bought one when um, Ed Snyder was selling them. Okay. So I, so Ed Snyder would sell the board. You'd order the FPGA board, plug the top part in, hook it to your color computer, and you've got a monitor. So if Ed is still selling them, it is. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you have to kind of build your own. And to me, that doesn't help me. Right. J Jason's not here, correct? Jason no, is not here. Jason is All right. Uh, on behalf of Jason, I, I'd like you to repeat uh, the thing about the cable again, how, how great it is. <laughs> Actually, I was I was going to jump in about the converter box because I actually was selling these uh, cables before Jason did a modification. And the thing was, I, I didn't like making these cables anyway. But uh, the reason why Jason recommends a converter box from and and I did the same thing. We recommend buying them from Amazon, and the only reason is it, it can kind of be a crapshoot almost. Uh, and Amazon has a liberal return policy. And that's why Jason doesn't sell the converter boxes is because uh, sometimes, you know, you, you get a whole, a, a whole batch of them that they're really, really good. And then you all you, once in a while you get bad ones. So that's why he doesn't sell those. He just sells the cables. Um, if there was a better a box, you know, the next higher one, those are usually the, there's an open source one. And it runs about $150. And then, of course, the best one you get is a Frame Meister, which is about 400 Gotcha. Gotcha. So, yeah, it is because it's not, it, it is, it's literally, it's a generic box. It's an HDMI to SCART box. There's no name brand. There's no product name. So they're right. being sold by different distributors. They're being made by different manufacturers. And, um, what were some of the buzzwords? You guys talked about this before. You need to look for composite, that it supports composite, and it supports RGB. There's a few key phrases that this should be searching for, Marco. Do you remember? Yeah, I posted something a week or so ago on Facebook about that. Yeah, you want to make sure. Yeah. The really inexpensive ones seem to only do the compositor like the uh, uh, S-Video. They don't do the RGB. 
those are like the $20 ones, US $20. Okay. When you get to about $30 US, you find the ones that say RGB and composite. Okay. Uh, $40, $50, somewhere in there. Probably, probably the better it gets. Yeah, the ones that they uh, pointed me to, there were four or five of them, same enclosures, same silk screening, yeah. internally, probably yep. the same board or clones. And uh, three of them had like three-star reviews. And one of them, the one that was uh, like $7 more, had five-star reviews. So that's the one I went with. Okay. Right. So it is a SCART to HDMI converter box. Um, and so theoretically, what does the Switcheroo cable sell for? Does anybody remember? 35. 35. 35. So you're yeah, looking at $35 for that cable and then a, roughly another $35 for that converter box. You're looking at about a $70 solution to connect it to a modern TV. Now, the benefit, and I'm not trying to plug one product over the other, but the nice thing about that SCART to HDMI box, that's pretty universal. And if you have anything else that can be adapted to SCART, you then automatically have an HDMI out. So they make like... Uh, Sega Genesis to SCART, Super Nintendo to SCART. So there's a lot of different, you know, product blank to SCART cables on the market. And now you've got this universal SCART to HDMI converter. So it is a multi-purpose module that is, which uh, which is probably worth the $35. You're going to get a lot more mileage out of it probably, right? Yeah. And it's a significantly cheaper. If you bought the original FPGA VGA converter kit with the board, the FPA module, FPGA module, all that, it was like 200 and something bucks to get wow. that. Wow. Cloud9 wow. then took it all together, packaged it on a custom circuit board. He sold his for about 130. Okay. So that was, you know, once you turn it into a product, you can really move the, the price down. Right. So this is half the cost on this. That, this means I can go and buy an HDMI monitor with speakers built in and everything mm -hmm. and the SCART box and the switcheroo cable and still be $100 less than what a CM8 would have cost me. <laughs> not, not even adjusting for inflation because the CM8, I don't know if you know, the CM8 is probably about an $800 monitor if you, you know, do the inflation thing. Right. Okay. And that um, one without a door on the front panel. Yeah. And that's, uh, uh, that's uh, Nick's neighbor, Chad. Hey, Chad, how are you? Good day. Good day. So, Chad, you don't say crikey. Not always, no. Well, could just, just, for, just for a sound bite, can we get your best crikey? Crikey, look at the size of that crock. <laughs> <laughs> we got extra. We got extra. He's more Australian uh, than me. Crikey. <laughs> crikey. Uh, crikey, that's a great Australian accent. <laughs> uh, speaking of accents, I was doing the playback of the previous episode and my wife said, that guy sounds like a young Kevin Costner. Who's, who, are you, who is she referring to? You. A young Kevin Costner. Okay. Thank you, I think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, welcome. Welcome, Chad. And Thank welcome, you. welcome, Paul Shoemaker. We were talking about that Coco 2 breakout drawing. You mentioned in the live chat you're working on a Coco 3. Is this groundbreaking news right now? <laughs> well, I don't know if it's groundbreaking, but, but yeah, I started working on it this morning, as a matter of fact, and um, that scan in the uh, service guide is has no detail at all. So I've been filling in the lines. So I've got the lines filled in on the top cover and mostly on the keyboard, but I think I need to go back and darken it up a little bit. The tricky part is gonna be the system board because there's almost no detail in the scan on the system board. And of course I wanna make it look like with all the ICs and the, and the different components, I want it to look as close to the Cocoa 2 version as possible. So I'm working on that. 
Okay. It's a painstaking labor of love. It is a painstaking labor. Not sure if it's of love or not. But it's, a pain, <laughs> it's a painstaking, painstaking labor. labor. Um, in fact, I can share it real quick if you guys want to see the progress. Yeah. Crikey, go ahead. Crikey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stevie, don't do that again. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at this. Okay, so this one is the Coco 2. Yes. To give you an idea of what the of the really good scan. This is one of the really good scans. Remember I mentioned last time this yeah. one in the MC10 are really, really detailed. Um, the great thing about the MC10 is you need half the paper to print it you on. Need too, half the so. paper. Well, we decided we were going to do it on a roll of toilet paper, remember? Once <laughs> so uh, that, that's, uh, that's project number three. Crikey. Yeah, this is project number two. Here. So, so this is what the Coco 2 one looks like. And then this is the Coco 3 one. Okay. It's like you can tell it's a Coco 3 because it like says Coco 3 right there. But, uh, but I mean, all of the lines are missing. So if yeah. you look at this oh, one, yeah. it's like all of the detail is missing. The keyboard, I mean, you can tell it's a keyboard, but it's missing a lot of the lines. So yeah. this is what I've gotten to so far. So if I kind of go back and forth, you can see the sort of the before and after. Not sure yeah, you might be able to copy and paste some of the stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I tried that. It wasn't working too well because okay. I hadn't figured out how to copy and paste without it, like, pasting the background with it. So, right, so like, you got to find a way to make it opaque somehow. Yeah. That, Whoever yeah. did the drawing didn't do perspective very well, did they? It's, is it a little tweaked? Maybe it's, it is. Yeah. Little, oh, yeah, it yeah, is. It's, it's, it's a little wonky. Little, little MC Escher going on here. Yeah, we got the... Yeah. Uh, it may just be the monitor. I don't know. But no, no, I see what Ron's saying now. He's, as he's mentioning that, yeah, yeah. It's it is it is maybe a little bit off. But so I'll finish this one up. I still have to get to the. Well, I can't scroll down on it because this is a PowerPoint. But okay, I still have to get to the bottom part, which is going to take probably several several more hours. But it it's coming along, and as soon as it's done, I'll share it with everybody. That's neat. No, That's no, no, awesome. Now, are these designs open source? Um, <laughs> near nice. the, the images, so anybody can download and print these images. Oh yeah, they're just right out of the uh, the PDF of the service guide. So when when you're oh, done, when you're done with your cleanup, the, the ones that you're going to clean up and re-render. Oh sure, for thirty five dollars each. Yeah. yeah, sure. No, I'm okay. kidding. Um, I, I'll, I'll upload them to the uh, um, to the SharePoint or uh, not to the SharePoint to the, the, the archive or whatever. Yeah. You 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 spend too much time in corporate America. You're using <laughs> you're using uh, Microsoft uh, freaking. Uh, I, I know. Yeah. I know. And, yeah, and this okay. is my corporate headset too. Yes. So <laughs> I'm, I'm good to go. Yes. Yeah. It is. It is an isometric drawing, but yeah, some of the perspective is just a little bit a little off bit on that. Off. But it's it's drawn by a human being. So what do you want? You know, we are we are human. We make mistakes. That's cool though. That's neat. That's a neat project. Well, and, and then hopefully I'll turn it into the poster like I've got hanging up back there because I, I, I saw a lot of comments of folks who are wanting the Coco 3 or waiting for the Coco 3 version. So we'll, uh, we'll hopefully get that out in a couple of weeks for folks. Okay. I just noticed that, uh, Richard, you needed to post a link. I've just given you uh, moderator rights to YouTube if you want to post a link in YouTube now. Go ahead. Um, neat stuff, neat stuff. So um, that is kind of sort of a project update. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about since you haven't been on a while, Paul? Any new acquisitions or anything else you want to share? Um, no, not really. Well, I was I was listening to the um, the conversation around the 
the Coco 3 VGA and I wanted to show like this is the a Coco 3 VGA board from Roy Justice. I don't know if you guys remember this one. Yeah. Let's see if I can get it to zoom in. Maybe not. Is that the one that was in the white case? Yeah, he made them in various cases. I have one as well. Yeah, no, I got this one without a case. He just sent me the bare board. And this was maybe three years ago, actually. Uh, I wonder if I, I don't know how to get it to, like, how do yeah, I? It's hard it? to get it to focus with the camera. I see what it, you're saying, though. Yeah, yeah, it is. But trust me, it's the, it is the, the Coco 3 board. And, and this one worked pretty good. I actually have stopped using it in favor of the SCART connection that I have on the Coco 3 behind me because, um, this one has, um, it has a, like either a weird flicker or like a scan line that runs down kind of every, okay. every, you know, refresh cycle or something. And it wasn't hugely noticing noticeable until I hooked up the, the, the SCART version and it didn't have that. And now, and then I totally noticed it. So I haven't been using this for a year or so in favor of, of the SCART version because it does, it does give a, I think a cleaner output altogether. But it's a okay. it's, it's a good board and and Roy you know Roy sold it to me for I don't know fifty dollars or something so it okay. was significantly less expensive than uh, whatever the solution Alan that you were talking about. Cool stuff. And what about you, Chad, uh, Nick's neighbor? What's going What's going on new with you? I actually think I have something that you posted in Facebook. I was going to share. We haven't heard from you in a while. <laughs> anything you want? Anything you want to uh, tell us what you've been up to in the in life and in retro hobbies and other things? Uh, still searching for um, Cocos on eBay and Gumtree over here, which is our um, equivalent of, I guess, Craigslist. But okay. Still nothing. Okay. There's a guy on Gumtree who's been advertising for at least five years and a wanted ad for a Coco 3. So oh, wow. Very... wow. There was a Coco 3 just uh, last week on uh, eBay in Australia. No, I didn't see that one. Yeah, no, it had a, um, a 6309 in it and everything. It was selling for about 200, 250, but that was. That might have got picked up before I did a search. Yeah. Maybe we need to start a Kickstarter. They do pop up. They do show up, though. We need to go fund me to get Coco 3s over to Australia. I had four well, Coco 3s at one point and two Coco 2s. Yeah. Maybe if you just went walkabout. Somewhere out in the in the outback, you'd be like, "Crikey, would you look at that Coco Three over there? She's a beauty, mate." Can you run a disclaimer again, Steve? Ah, crikey, that's a beauty. Look at that CM Eight. It's got a door, mate. All for Australian viewers. If any off color comments were made. We're sorry. Uh, <laughs> we monetize now. Oh, crikey. Uh, good stuff. Well, yeah, I guess that is, I guess, you know, depending on where you live, the uh, supply and demand is different. Um, Especially being a pal, Coco, that we'd require here as well. Mm. So, and I think I, I may have accidentally said HDMI to SCART, but it's actually SCART to HDMI. So, um, is... Do you guys have SCART in Australia at all, or is that really outdated? Is SCART like a retro thing now? We don't use it either, no. No? Okay. We did have some products, but I think most of those were imports. Now, I'm assuming you guys have HDMI. I think HDMI is a yeah. is a global standard now, right? So yeah. 
if you got a Coco 3 that wasn't PAL and you did like the switcheroo to SCART to HDMI, that would work, right? It should work. It should yeah. work, yeah. Yeah. In theory, in, in, in theory. A lot of those converter boxes say PAL NTSC. Yeah, like my box, I can tap a couple of buttons. I can switch between PAL and NTSC, 50 and 60 hertz. I can tap between 720p and 1080p. So I can press a few buttons and change the output mode of my um, SCART yeah. to HDMI box. So you could probably match it with the television set it was connecting to. We uh, we had a lot more S video products than we did. Start. Yeah. Okay. And that is actually Alan to get to to add to your list. Ed Snyder has an RGB to S video adapter as well. I've got one of his early prototypes, and it's 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 spot on. I did a lot of my video captures with with the S video out, and I get the eighty column text. I get you know no artifacting. It's it's pristine. It's full on RGB. Yeah, I, I have one that uh, Chris Hawks at Hawksoft uh, made years before that. The problem now is I don't have any hardware in my house that has SVHS. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But that is an option, S-Video. Um, now, something to consider, whereas um, not all modern displays have all inputs that we want, but there are inexpensive USB capture devices. And so, like, for example, when I was recording my Coco videos, I was using a, an S-Video capture device that I plugged in the output to, and I was just watching it on my computer screen through my software. So when I'm actually recording, I'm actually viewing it as, like, I'm using my software to live view the output from the, um, the S-Video cable so I could actually watch it on a PC. So um, that is an option, you know, but it becomes a software monitor versus a physical monitor, but it does give you the, a way to see what's, you know, on the other side of that cable. Um, I do that for RF out stuff too. I've got a capture device where I can watch an old game console that's meant for channel three or four. I can watch that on my computer screen that doesn't have those inputs, you know, so I can use software as a bridge in some cases. Um, uh, cool stuff, cool stuff. Uh, uh, how, how long have we been talking about this? I got a lot more news. How about we run a commercial break and we'll get back to more news? Sound good? Yep. All right, so we're going to take a break. We'll be back in two and two, and we'll have some more Coco news. Let me just find a commercial. I think since Nick Moroda is here, since we've been talking about the Coco 2 breakout, we're going to run a Coco Deer commercial right now. So here we go. Enjoy the Coco Deer. Love it when my commercials don't play right. I have to update my software to OBS. Still a work in progress. Let's try this again. Coco do, take do. Hi there, this is Mark Overholzer, and you're watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly talk show where you can join in. Hey, come watch us and see what's happening in the world of Coco. Coco Talk is brought to you in part by Placeblex Dietary Supplement. Placeblex, we think it works, so will you. What's going on, everybody? Stevie Stroh, and I want to say thank you for continuing to watch and listen to Coco Talk. We love doing this show. We think we put together a pretty good show for you, but this show could be better with your help. So if you would like to send a feedback, a comment, a suggestion, a show topic, or maybe even your own little segment or bumper, then send it to us via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. This show would be nothing without you. Love to hear from you. 
Coco de c'est le coq champion des micro et dame le pion. Pour le jeu, il n'est pas battable. Les études, c'est pas bizarre. L'expansion, il en va pas. Les commandes, il en va pas. Notre coco est programmable. Pour tes cours, c'est bien serviable. Coco de de radio chaton, la paire est en dessin. Un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité. Le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. There's actually a TRS-80 users uh, Facebook page for TRS-80 Quebec users. Oh, I yeah? Post, I should post that in there and see if we can get a trend. You should, you should. Oh, speaking of Australia, Nick Morentes, a couple weeks ago you had shared a commercial from an Australian Tandy, a Radio Shack commercial. I would love to be able to get that and add that to our repertoire. Yeah, show off. Um, I'll, I'll send it to you. I've got two send, actually, so send, I'll send, send them to you. Send me the link. That would be cool. So we can we can watch you all straight. Crikey, come on down to the Tandy store <laughs> and look at these beauty Cocoa Threes. Would you look at the artifact colors on these? They're beauties, you, mate. <laughs> you, you won't hear that accent, but uh, <laughs> like I say, most people actually don't talk like that. <laughs> hey, maybe they could bring back Jacko, uh, the guy that Australian. I'm an individual. <laughs> yes, yes. And again, I'm digging deep into the archives of things I had saved to discuss at one point in time or another. But this is um, uh, your neighbor, Nick, and Chad's neighbor, too. But Craig Stewart, crikey. Craig Stewart, who has made um, Space Marauders and a couple other things. He was at Coco Fest. Um, he had posted that he had finally got down to putting some of his collection of his old games onto a disc. And so here's some pictures of, of, of uh, and his graphics are pretty good, right? So this is kind of like a shootout. You remember the Atari game, the outlaw game where the cowboys moved up and down. You had to shoot between the cactuses to shoot, the, shoot your uh, enemy. This looks like maybe it was something like that, all like in a P mode four screen, pretty high res, right? So here is another one here too. This is kind of like a lunar lander it's looking like, right? So that's kind of cool. Uh, something called Tangle or Tangu. And, and so, yeah, so these are some pictures. Now, does he have a link in here to the disc image itself? Um, so, yeah, so Craig had done a bunch of stuff, and he came on and he spoke with us, and he had mentioned he was using some type of compiler that we can't find now, but it lets you mix yeah. basic and assembly in the same code and switch back and forth. So I said it was a great way for him to learn and mix and match languages. So um, so this is just some pictures. Uh, we've, we have unearthed some of Craig's games, and Curtis has put together a disk image for me. I'm not sure they're going to contain everything here that he has. But with um, Craig's permission, I would gladly circulate the disk images of his existing software that we still have today. But this was in my list of things to share going way back. So uh, this is, I think, the, the, the theme today. We've got a lot of Australian stuff going on, a lot of crikey st content here. So that's kind of good, right? So, um, the Tandy Crikey 3. Tandy Crikey 3. Now, this is from our very own James Jones. I don't remember if Curtis... Um, had had mentioned this or shared this or not, but James Jones had part, posted an article in uh, uh, Vintage is the New World. Am I reading this right? Vintage is the New Old. I can't read. Vintage is the New Old. Um, but this is uh, old code and benchmarks in basic 09. So I'm assuming what this is doing here is um, comparing code between interpreted basic and, um, and the... Uh, 
the basic 09 basic which we know runs faster so that was kind of an interesting article um, I don't know if that was done um, so and I don't feel like reading it but it's here I'll post the links to these later if you guys want to read that article I pulled this from Facebook this is where I get most of my news is from Facebook so I just wanted to mention that that was out there um, I don't remember if you guys covered this one too but Evan Wright uh, I don't remember if we covered this or not find the exit this there's is a new game he's working there. on. So if I reach the exit now, I've, I've successfully escaped. And I'm... Right, so this is kind of like a, a, Everyone, a 3D monster. Everyone, this is a video to show you a game I've got in progress. It is a clone of 3D Monster Maze, a game for the uh, Sinclair ZX81 or ZX81, uh, if you pronounce it properly. Uh, you can see I'm reusing some of the code from uh, Hunt the Wumpus here uh, just to get the screen colors right. And I don't have a title screen yet, but, you know, it's a work in progress. Uh, but here's the fun part. So it actually does generate a maze for you that you can walk around. The monster and, has and seen you. There is a monster you are being tracked. Tracking you. Um, so let's see what. Uh, so the monster is. It's pretty quick. Monster How quick? Crikey! Look at that dinosaur. You call that a dinosaur? You call that a dinosaur? So the monster Dino Wars and, Part Two. Uh, if he part Two uh, reaches that point and still can't see you, then at that point he just kind of goes into an idle state and uh, waits until uh, he regains line of sight. Uh, and the player can, or the monster can see much, uh, you know, can see all the way uh, through the maze, uh, whereas the player cannot. Right? There he comes, Crikey! Look at him. So, um, all right. The so. maze at this point is not being randomly generated. It is. It is fixed. So I can actually find. It's pretty quickly how it's how it's doing this. It's filling it in. There's the it's, exit right there. So if I reach the exit now, I've I've successfully escaped and I'm back. So that's a work in progress and something Evan Wright's doing. Evan Wright has given us flood it. Evan Wright gave us hunt the wumpus. So this is a new project from the mind of Evan Wright. He likes to take games and well flood it. I guess I don't know who originally did flood it, but he likes to port things, right? So that's kind of cool, and that's neat, and that looks cool, and I'd like to see that again. Um, this is not a Coco project, but this is something I came across. You guys remember the old cartoon Dungeons and Dragons? It was on Saturday morning. So anybody remember that show, right? And supposedly, I guess what happened, which I wasn't even aware of, because but apparently the show never really ended. There wasn't an end to the series. And so um, this is a foreign uh, commercial for a, for, a, for a car, but it features a kind of live action, all the characters from the uh, Dungeons and Dragons cartoon in an automobile commercial. So I'll try to play the commercial and mute the audio. I'm not sure if I'm going to get a copyright flag for this. It is on YouTube. So I'm going to mute the audio, but yeah, so it looks pretty cool. Um, and I guys remember the cartoon, but I mean, I watched this cartoon around the same time I was playing on my Coco, you know what I mean? Like 14 years old watching cartoons on Saturday playing on the Coco. So I remember watching the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. So this is kind of like a live action Game of Thrones style commercial. Um, anybody recognize these characters? Anybody watch this cartoon besides me? I'm the only yeah, one. Yeah, right. So I, I think they did a really good job of recreating the characters. There's the bad guy. Remember he flew on that dragon thing? I don't remember his name. That guy there, he was kind of like the, the funny comic relief guy with the shield. And so now this was the dungeon master coming to... Uh, rescue the kids right and so they're basically plugging this vehicle um but it's pretty cool 
um, showing how everybody's getting away. And if you remember what happened in the cartoon, the, the opening of the cartoon was these kids were in a carnival and they were going on the Dungeons and Dragons ride. So it was kind of like a, you know, one of those haunted houses where you get in a car and you go through it. And somehow when they were going down the tunnel into the ride, they went through a portal and went from the carnival world to the Dungeon and Dragons world. So they were kind of teleported from our reality to this reality. And so that's going to tie in to the end of the commercial here. And again, if the copyright gods strike me down, uh, you know, so be it. But I think it's cool. Um, I don't remember what country this was from, but here we go. We got the, the dungeons tracing them. Oh, look, now the portal opens up. There's the carnival. There's the fun house. And they're actually making their way back to where they came from, which I guess never actually happened in the real cartoon. So I don't know. It's not a Coke. It's not exactly Coco related, but it is retro related. So um, there you have it. This is Dungeons and Dragons cartoon finally gets an ending in a car ad. So um, the car is a Renault little diamond. So it's Renault. Okay. Um, but all the characters are there, including the villain, and they actually live happily ever after and make their way home, which never happened in the animated series. So kind of retro hobby related if you watch that cartoon while you're playing your Coco like I did. Um, now the, another one, again, I don't know. You guys have covered a lot of news when I have not been, um, hosting, but going back to May 28th, this is a guy's name is Mark, uh, Mark Sulfridge. And he posted on Facebook saying, I've been lurking for almost six months, but he came up with a tool in Python. Um, I wanted to contribute something useful to the community. Um, he's made a script. Uh, what does it say here? I couldn't find a similar tool with the limited poking around, so I decided to make it for myself. It is a Python script that's an image to Coco 3 zip that I wrote in order to import a fancy title screen image into, into my Coco 3 for a basic game. So I guess you could take a bitmap, and I know other other tools out there, but this is something that would take an image and then convert it into a binary image that you could load up on your Coco screen. It handles 320 by 192 by 16 colors. So interesting utility. Um, and, and again, he says he, and, and I think this was a discussion that's happened. Why did we get into projects? Why do we do projects? Well, he needed something to fill a need for himself. And, and then he said, if this helped me and if it'll help somebody else, there you have it. Here it is. So, um, does anybody recall reading up on this? And is this similar to what you use, Ron Delvoa? Cause I know you're doing a lot of pictures. What are you doing to get pictures, Ron? I use the high color and BMPs. Okay. So I don't know how, uh, when it converts them to, um, BIN files that you can right you know, a binary yeah you can okay. load them in and show them right away. But is high color a program that does then manipulates palettes to make the illusion of more colors be on the screen or something? Yeah, I guess I guess it does. Yes. It gives you yeah. choices. Yeah. Okay. So this one is not doing any type of. I, actually, I don't know what it's doing, but he did mention it's doing <laughs> sixteen colors. So, uh, so this was from Mark uh, Sulfridge, and so he posted that. Um, you might want to take a look for that on the Facebook group. And they, he's actually got the uh, the zip image attached as a file that you can download if you want to check out that Python script. Um, now, this one was posted. This is just towards the end of May. But here's a picture from Andrew uh, Casole, Casserole. Andrew Casole uh, was posted on Facebook. It says, I just got this Coco 2. I'm pretty pumped for my first TRS-80. And it looks like he's playing Zork the first 
on the game. He's got it up on the screen. Is that a floppy drive he's got going on there? So that's kind of cool, right? So he's got a cocoa. He's happy about his cocoa. He's showing his Tandy, waving his Tandy flag, right? Keeping the flame alive. So that's kind of cool. Dang, first um, one ever? First Tandy uh, ever? Or? Uh, I've, I've, I'm pumped for my first TRS-80. So maybe huh. maybe it is. Maybe he's never had one before. I what drew him to, a ta uh, to that to the computer now. Yeah. All right. Fedor says he's going to try to join us. So be on the lookout for Fedor if he's going to try to join Zoom. Um, so yeah, that's kind of cool. Get your get your first Tandy, get your first Coco, and show it. And uh, awesome. I think Ron Delvo's got a group too. Show us your Tandy color computer, right? So that's right. Um, that should go in there. That should. All right. Another one. Again, this is going back from May 28th, but this is a gentleman who's using. Um, this is probably a pseudonym of Pin Pen, and he says, "Good morning from Italy. 30 years ago, I made several games for the Olivetti M10." Tandy, I am Luca Jibo or Jibo. I was born the same day as Bill Gates, and I programmed until I was 19 years old. And he's talking about the different uh, projects he's worked on for the different systems. He's got a YouTube video of some of his games, and I believe some of these are available for download as well. So, oh, this is like on the Model 100, right? So here he's showing off some of his games on different emulators. So these are all different systems that are similar to like the Tandy Model 100, right? And so, um, yeah, we got Dungeons of Daggerath on the Model 100. What what more could you want, right? Wow. So one's called the Kiro Sierra KC85. One's the Tandy TRS-80 Model 102. One of them's the NC, NEC PC8300. I'm imagining the hardware is probably very similar in all these, if they might even be, actually be the same OEM version, right? Olivetti M10. And is, am I saying the right name? Olivetti? How the hell do you say that name? Olivetti? Olivetti, yeah. Olivetti, right? Olivier? Um so this is kind of cool, right? He made all these different games on all these different systems. Talk about working with limitations. We thought working on a Cocoa with, you know, 256 by 192 and two colors was limiting. Look at the resolution here. He's got freaking card games on here, Mr. Bigglesworth. Look at this thing here. Um, yeah. Yeah, Olivetti is Nick's favorite pasta. Is his, his favorite, is, oh, yeah? Do you, go, do you go to the Olivetti Garden when you get that? <laughs> I'm going to breadsticks. Mm. Yeah. So I got to say, man, this is cool looking stuff. And so this is from, um, he says his name. Let me, let me try not to butcher his name here. But he says, uh, I am Luca. We'll just call him Luca. My name is Luca. You might have seen me before. Um, so his name is Luca. And then he's got different pictures of the mazes that are being generated. So it's an interesting read. Yeah, you, you, you might want to check that out uh, in the Facebook group. This was posted from May 28. Do a search for Pin Pan. But it's really cool because these are Tandy products, right? And and I'm, I'm assuming maybe they're done in basic, right? And so yep. this code is probably somewhat transportable. Take a look at it. You might Here he actually looks like he did. Uh, this content isn't available. At one point in time, he had posted a picture showing the data statements of the zeros and ones to make up the mazes. And I gotta say, I'm interested in these emulators. The fact that he has all three of these emulators running, I'm sure maybe he did some video editing or maybe he just aligned them all on his screen. But to be able to run these emulators kind of stacked like this is pretty cool. I like what he did with his video here. It's really, really nice layout, right? So cool stuff, definitely Tandy related. That's a Radio Shack uh, thing. Um, I don't remember if we covered this, but our very own madman, Simon Jonazin, is showing off some code 
of him taking an image and rotating it on 360 degrees. This is Wario, the bad guy from Mario, right? And so he's spinning Wario around. I don't know how Simon does it. I do believe that Roswell, New Mexico, Area 51, and aliens are involved. But, um, you know, um, that's just my opinion. So um, there you have it. The Madman is, is in the Mad Labs cooking up some Mad Demo scene stuff, uh, spinning around uh, Wario. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to guess maybe, do you think maybe some of this code is self-modifying or no? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Nope. Nope. All right. He does say, um, I think when he posted one of the first ones, he said that there was, you know, he, there, nothing was unrolled in here. So the code was big. It could be optimized, but, um, uh, it looks cool. It looks very cool. Um, here is our own Diego. Diego is the 100% uh, stakeholder of all the Coco uh, third-party products in the uh, country of Uruguay. But I guess uh, Diego is at a place called Hackatron. And he's got his Coco and a Model 101 or 100 or 102 here on display. So maybe this is kind of like a Maker's Fair or something else that he's setting up for. And it looks like he's running Dungeons of Daggerath there. So Diego is showing his Tandy Pride, keeping the flame alive. Go, Diego, go. Um, that was posted, I guess, three hours ago. So now we're, we're catching up to current events. Cool stuff. Uh, so Diego's out there at Hackathon. Um, the, for your consideration, John Linville shared a post in Facebook this week, a YouTube video, his thoughts on the current Coco community unpleasantness. I believe this was a somewhat rebuttal to the last hour of our show from last week. So it's out there. It's on YouTube. If you'd like to watch that, there's a link to that posted in the uh, in the <laughs> Facebook group. This one I thought was really good. It's very creative. <laughs> but our very own Antonio Jimenez came up with a picture called "The Dark Lord of the Cocoa Realm." Now, is that now? Did he mention in his own video? Is he calling himself the Dark Lord, or did somebody give him this name? I don't want to do any defamation Someone of character here. Number, I think he's okay with. Okay, so I, I'm not. I am not uh, contributing to the defamation of character, but somehow that's on Facebook, and and for better or for worse, I will say this is a pretty cool mashup of the actual photograph and whatever he's stuck behind it. So technologically speaking, pretty cool picture there. Uh, Antonio, uh, you remember when Antonio put that picture of me saying I was the saint of the Coco community and he stuck my face on the guy holding the Bible or something like that? It was really awkward. I did not feel comfortable with it at all. Um, but uh, blasphemy, I, I'm going to go to hell on my own. I don't need anybody else helping me. You know what I mean? So um, so that video is out there. Um, the link is on uh, Facebook and on YouTube. Check that Bless out. Bless your heart. Uh, Chad Edward, not to be outdone, posted a nice little meme himself. It says, welcome to a group of mostly 50-year-old men using 30-year-old tech designed for children. So way to go. Good on you there, mate. Good on you there, uh, Chad. <laughs> for, crikey, uh, look at the crikey, crikey, look at the meme. <laughs> that was actually a quote from John Linville's YouTube post. Okay. Yes. All right. That's why it says their credit goes to John Linville. Okay, okay. Well, I didn't, I didn't watch the video yet, so that's cool. But it's just a cool meme. Uh, so uh, it's a cool quote, too, if you think about it, right? We are a group of mostly 50-year-old men using a 30-year-old tech designed for children, right? So crikey, that's a great meme there, Chad. Good on you, mate. 
All right. So <laughs> that one isn't bad. People were like, oh, I'm not 50. Like, <laughs> yeah. Not bad. All right. Uh, also, <laughs> also submitted uh, by John Linville, the Dark Lord. Apparently he, he's OK with that title, but we just call him John. But John has posted the fact that now the Coco Crew is available on Spotify. So not only can you get music on Spotify, you can get the Coco Crew podcast on Spotify. So um, if you're a Spotifyer, you might want to go Spotify yourself some Coco Crew. It's there for your listening pleasure. Uh, Nick Morentes, our very own Nick Morentes, uh, uh, one of the foremost uh, experts in the field of, of retro hardware. Um, Nick Morentes is asking, and I don't know if you already got the question to this, Nick, but you were asking the question about can we get the speech and sound cartridge emulated and um, have you been able to address all your concerns in this area here now, Nick? Uh, yes, yeah, I've got, I've got it working under my... Yeah. Uh, it doesn't work perfectly. There are a few problems, but I'm still exploring that. Okay. But it does work under MAME, yep. Excellent, excellent. Fred is here. Fred, how do we pronounce your last name? Spell it out for us phonetically so I don't call you Doofus. How do I pronounce Fred Dufois or Duface? I'm not sure how to pronounce your name, but correct me so I can correct myself. So, yeah, uh, Tim Lindner um, debuted this, I think it was right around Coco Talk number 11 or number 19. We were in the, you know, low count episodes when this was first added to MAME, which was huge, huge to get the speech sound cartridge added to MAME. So, um, and even then, and possibly still now, there are some timing issues or some hardware issues where it doesn't, it's not completely perfect, but it's mostly pretty good, right? Um, cool stuff, cool stuff. Ed Snyder, the Zipster, cranking out new Coco SDCs. So now Ed is doing his own 3D printed cases with the Coco SDC cartridge. I believe most of us will agree this is the must-have product for the color computer. Um, Absolutely. And so his are kind of engraved, and he says he has to do some manual sanding where he sands them down because I guess the 3D printing has got like textures or groove lines or something. I, I don't know. But it looks good. So Ed Snyder always there, cranking out the quality products. Good job there. Uh, another one from Ed Snyder. He just posted. He's got a pile of printed circuit boards. Right, despite the box turning into uh, into a heavyweight paper bag during shipping, these look good to go. More Mega Mini MPIs, keyboards, and MC10 composite mods are coming soon. So yeah, this looks like the keyboard. Uh, piece right mega M mega mpi stuff right so more stuff from the zipster coming our way cool stuff thanks for sharing those pictures ed um just so you know we did a very spontaneous thing it's up on facebook it's on my youtube channel we went through and i was just playing a bunch of games on the uh, coco vga which was my gift to myself from coco fest this year and so we kind of got together, played the games, just saw what the artifacting looked like. So again, Alan Huffman, on your list of things, Coco VGA is something, but it only works on the Coco 1, 2, and Dragon, right? So it kind of goes in line with the VDG, gives you very clean VGA output, and gives you lots of artifacting modes that are really, 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 really good. Um, it's all it's all FPGA-based artifacting, but it's like as good, if not better, than MAME and MESS artifacting. So good stuff there. Uh, Coco VGA is another option to get clean output from your Coco. That video is out there if you want to see what they look like. And, and we had some spontaneous stuff. Fedor has been working on his own version of Nick and Curtis's palette hacks for games to take, you know, P-Mode 3 games and change the palettes to make them look nicer. 
So um, what are we looking at here? Uh, the, well, this is the, the I don't know what this is the freeze frame of the video. This was this. Was, were you listening, Ron? Have you been on the show? <laughs> look at uh, look at. Uh, uh, I know. I don't know what we're looking at though. That's a great question. Change the pause. That's right. better. So, there we go. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a weird random glitch, but yeah. But see, what, when you want to change from red to blue, you flip a switch. There you go, Ron. Thank you for calling me out. Sure. I appreciate that. What are we looking at? It was garbage, right? And yes. speaking, of, speaking of garbage, my big fat face is in there too, right? So, but um, this is really good artifacting, right? This is from the Coco VGA. And when again, when I, when I do this with my software, anything I'm outputting from my Coco, I'm watching it live on my computer screen. So I'm, I, this went from the Coco VGA so and then I had a little white plastic box that was a VGA to HDMI adapter. And then I'm capturing this through HDMI and watching it on my screen. So I'm using my computer monitor as the TV to the Coco. Um, but this is really good artifacting. And it, it all we tested in a lot of games that mix the high res and low res, like Donkey King with the barrels and fonts and all this stuff. We could not find a flaw in the artifact emulation. This thing is just spot on, as good as the real thing maybe even a little sharper so Which good job there addicting <laughs> yeah you know what you know what the kind of tater i am too right yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> i made ron laugh all right so so that video is out there that ended up being about five hours of going through the coco sdc collection and just saying hey what does this game look like on coco vj now let's try this game um and so good stuff there uh, Fedor, who gave us the big RMS reveal last week, has has, brought, has posted some adverts. Um, Tandy's color computer is even much cheaper, but for the time being, only useful for games and educational programs. So um, what the hell is this from? And what are we trying to say here? Uh, so here is the TRS-80 uh, 1095 something or another, right? So... Uh, 19, 1982, 25 November, page eight. So um, I'm not sure. Okay, Tandy Elk. Uh, yeah. So it's almost like these people speak a foreign language or something, right? So, um, but Dutch. these, is it Dutch? Yes. yes. Okay. I've uh, I've actually had some stuff in a Dutch oven before. Um, so here we got the MC10 <laughs> and <laughs> MC10 and the color computer. Anything uh, close fits. Right? <laughs> Stop being sophomoric. Uh, sorry, I'm being sophomoric, David. I apologize. So yeah, Dino Wars. So it's almost like this is not really good advertising when they say, "Well, this color computer is inexpensive." But it's really only good for games. I mean, like, you're, are, you, are you selling it or are you not selling it here? I don't quite understand what's going on here. black and white, too. Yeah, list. right. Color computer in a black and white, right? So 30 years old and only for children. Only for children. That's right. And Dan Loyal's in the live chat. Hey, Dan Loyal. Mike Craig is here. Fred is here. Dan says, talking about Saturday morning cartoons, I love Coco Talk with Stevie and Friends. There you go. Okay, so thanks for being here, Dan. And watch Coco Talk. Make That's our right. heads I didn't mean to do that. Right. That uh, was an unintentional pun. More postings of people showing off their tandies. Finally have a working Coco one. Yay. This is from Tony Ellis in the Facebook group. So this looks like, uh, is this one of Carlos Camacho's badges here? Is that no, a cheap, cheap knockoff badge? What's going on? 
Uh, yeah, this so looks this like a smoker's cocoa. <laughs> yeah, this looks like <laughs> this looks like this thing flew too close to the sun and it, yeah, it's and a it burned up cocoa. on <laughs> smokers. <laughs> so, Ron, did you have to sell one of your cocos you uh, sun bleached there, maybe? <laughs> No, that's not one of mine. <laughs> so finally, I have a working Coco One. Yay! Now it's uh, available to clean up the case. All right, now it's now it's viable. Let's clean up the case. So this is a follow-up picture. I think he might have cleaned up his sticker. So that's kind of cool. I like seeing the retro bright stuff and the. Um... Okay, Fedor says he can't join. Are you guys anybody monitoring the waiting room to see if Fedor is trying to get in? Um. All right. I haven't seen him pop up. No. Fedor, you, you got to go back to join. Uh, is he so he's not in the waiting room then, right? No, Fedor's not right at, now, the, no. at the wrong door. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is uh, he's he's in Discord as well. I think he joined um, Facebook recently. Blair Ledoux, uh showing off. I think this is Coco Pie on a little tiny screen with a little wireless keyboard. While waiting for Coco Bits to arrive by post, I thought I would build a Coco Pie with Raspberry Pi three parts. Here's a Cocoa Pie running on a 7-inch touchscreen as a display with a case and a small Bluetooth keyboard. It's completely uh, readable and looks and works great, right? So Blair's new to the community. He's kind of getting caught up with, uh, with the hobby. Uh, he's in uh, Discord as well. Cool, cool picture here, Blair. So the Cocoa Pie project. You can download the Cocoa Pie image from iamacoconut.com. I think it's under the downloads section. Cool stuff there. Uh, Chad, again, Chad, you're very social on social media, Chad. Um, and you're here with us. So here we have some Coco, um, Coco license plates, right? So Love Coco in North Carolina. So that's kind of cool, right? We got another one here, Montana, Nine Coco. So, you know, there are some Coco lovers out there that love them some Coco. What's the one you posted on mine where it's a Florida license plate that said MC10 or something like that? I forgot what it yeah, was. Yeah, it's on the MC10 page. Oh, on the MC10 page. I got to have to find that one, right? So, crikey, would you look at those license plates? The beauties, <laughs> mate. <laughs> um, wonder now, if Coco Loco is taken. Yeah. So, here's... Please, I don't... Bacon. I don't want to play the audio too much because it's copywritten, but this is an Imagine Dragon song. I was, I was wondering if Steve Bjork was going to be here to maybe address this, but this guy's name is Marco Melanson, and he was um, basically saying that the low end was not coming through. So they're saying there was a lot of bass in this song, and Audio Spectrum Analyzer was not getting the low frequencies as much and was trying to ask why. So I thought maybe if Steve Bjork was here... He might be able to address that. He is not here at the moment, but that video is out there asking a question. And when you ask the internet, sometimes you get good answers, sometimes you don't. I haven't actually followed the entire thread here, but here is a question saying, why am I not getting up, getting the base? So you might want to check that out for the response. Uh, now, we've been talking about this. I know Curtis has mentioned this a few times, but this is Andre Belista, and he's been working on, um, he's been the one that's been working on that Cocoa Pack with the 80 column thing that's got the sprites and the graphics and the hardware scrolling and this whole extra cartridge for extra video on a Coco. Word pack. Well, word pack. Yeah, word pack. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. but an updated word pack with a, uh, with a uh, whatever, different graphics chip, right? So, but he also has posted something where I have color basic coding tool chain integrating Nitrous 9, uh, excuse me, integrating Notepad Plus, XROAR, and Image Tools. So this is probably similar to what... Um, 
Paul Fiscarelli was doing it from Long Branch, Long Branch Never, where you could type up your code in the um, in the editor in the Notepad++ and press a couple buttons and have it push it out to an emulator. So this is a way to do a, a, a faster development environment. And so Andre has the link to that. That's out there. That is on the Facebook group. This is his GitHub. So check that out. So this is called uh, Color Basic Tool Chain. So people are coming up with some things to help them get their job done, and they're sharing the love. Um, this is our very own Davy Mitchell. David Mitchell, our friend in the UK. I believe he says he's actually in Scotland. And um, so he's showing off a dragon game. This one is by MicroDeal, and it's called um, Tea Time on the Dragon 32 by Pocket Money Software, which is MicroDeal. So let's take a look at a dragon game here. And let's see what it looks like here. So it actually lets you select what... Ouch, that's loud. I don't know if you re if you saw that on that title screen. It's asking you to select what type of color you wanted. So you could do the black background, the buff, or the green background. Okay, little, so this one I think... It's a little hard to read. Yeah, it is a little hard to read here. But it's looking like you need to catch tea in a cup. Select a level. I'll fast forward just a little bit to where we can get to some gameplay. Okay, this is some gameplay here. So it looks like you're moving a tea kettle, and as you catch the uh, falling tea pods, you fill up your tea you fill up your tea cup, right? And then when you fill it up, you have to drop it off in the pot on the left. So that's kind of cool. I don't know what that blue thing there is. I guess he's a bad guy. Is he gonna try to catch some of the teapots? Oh, you can empty your tea at any time. You don't have to wait to be full to do that. What is, when they fall, what happens when they fall? What's what's the penalty for not catching them all? This is kind of like that, uh, a lot of these catch em style games, right? Like the um, Kaboom and other things like that. Your cup's going down. Oh, when they fall, it empties the cup. Okay. So that's a cute little game, right? So another dragon, there's a lot of gems on the dragon that, um, you know, we should take a look at. Um, uh, Archived World of Dragons. So this is our very own pair, uh, pair Surratt. So there's a couple new game packs coming out for this. So this was game pack 27, featuring a game called Antiquity. I don't know why, but does he look like the Mad Hatter or is he an Indiana Jones? I'm not sure who he's supposed to be there. Antiquity Jones. Okay, so yeah, a cheap knockoff of an Indiana Jones game. Oh, this looks pretty cool though, right? So you got the whole platform, you're climbing some ropes. Uh, that looks kind of neat. I'm going to have to fire that one up. Then we've got one called Chopper Drop. Uh, also, get to the chopper, get down, right? So these look pretty cool, right? And then we have Donkey Kong Reloaded. Ooh. Ooh. Now, now this looks kind of interesting. This is like a platform, Donkey Kong. I don't even see ladders here. Um, so far, it's a Mario-looking guy in a completely different-looking game. Okay, I guess these are barrels that move. Um, maybe these are little monkeys running around. Well, I'm going to have to take a look at that one. Curiosity has the better of yeah, me. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, all right. I love Donkey Kong. But I don't believe uh, they say crikey there either. No, no crikeys. Here's another one that's called... I can't even read this. What does that say? Rants. K-Y-D. Kid. Craft. I, I can't read it. I can't read what that says, but it looks interesting. Uh, then we, 
Yeah, so this is this is Game Pack 27. Lots of games in Game Pack 27. Now let's go ahead and jump over. Antiquity Jones, I, f I felt that way. Sometimes James Jones says that. That's funny. Good one, James. So here's one that's called Funky Funsus. Fungus. Funky Fungus with some, uh, with some uh, mushrooms here, right? Uh, so interesting little game here. So this is Game Pack 28, the most recent uh, release for the arcade game designer. Ports to the Coco and Dragon. Funky Fungus. Uh, I have no idea how the game plays, but let's take a look. We can play with keyboard or joystick. I believe funguses are somehow involved and maybe something funky happens during the game. So we fungi. got that done. Some you fungi. develop a cough. Hey, Steve, you're a fun guy. Uh, you're a fun guy, too. Right? Uh, there's another one. It's now called Pitfall 3. Ooh, no copyright going on here. Um, so we got feathers to pick up. We got things to do. Interesting. So lots of new games from the arcade game designer at AGD kit. Very cool stuff. Also in the news, CMOC has got an update. So there is an update to CMOC that now supports P-Mode 4 Artifact Colors, I believe. I forgot. I The link I have now takes me straight to CMOC. It doesn't have the update notes on what's going on here. Uh, so uh, release for 159. A library is now able to provide constructor and destructor code, change the interface to OS 9, various minor bug fixes. I believe one of the nice things about CMOC was this, to be able to have, uh, this is a game written in CMOC that is using the artifact colors and it's, and it's a card game, right? And so you could take CMOC and you could, if you understand C, which I don't, you could do C-like language stuff and uh, run the development environment cross-assemble it over to your Coco. And what does, <laughs> what does CMOC stand for? Uh, I don't know. Anybody remember? CMOC is a 6809 generating cross-compiler for a subset of the C language. It produces... Uh, so C would be the language. C uh, something something compiler. Yeah. Yeah. Good, great question. Don't know the answer. All right. So CMOC C is... Mama Open Compiler. Yep. Yeah, something like that. All right, well, that concludes the news segment. That was a lot of news. Uh, there was a lot of things going on there. Not a lot of uh, feedback from the panel, so I guess you guys just were not feeling... Uh... Oh, I'm interested in the arcade game developer. That's yeah, cool. absolutely. We're becoming updated. Oh, no. can, I, can, I, can I wake up now? Yeah, yeah, you can get a wake up. Somebody wake up Richard Lorbieski now. So... <laughs> A uh, lot of news yeah. going on this week. How long have we been? How long has this train wreck been? We've been on there. The train has been on the track now for two hours. About, about a, a two-hour show. About an hour and fifty-nine minutes too long. An hour and fifty-nine minutes too long, according to Richard Larbieski. Um, all right, Fedor is here. Ago. Hey, welcome, welcome to the program, Fedor. He made it. Fedor, do you uh, copy? In chat, he's had to say he had to go uh, drive his daughter home. So okay not be at the at the mic at the moment okay okay well a lot of news but we've caught up on the news <laughs> james different after saying donkey kong reloaded take down requests from nintendo in three two one right so nintendo is really harsh on taking down things right so um good stuff a lot of news what have we not talked about what have we not covered what do we do next or we do we put ourselves out of our misery and just call it a show we, we didn't once uh mention potpourri we did not mention Poe. I thought I did at the top of the show. But, yeah, this is the Except Potpourri show. Now. Well, yeah. so, Ron Delvo. Yes. What does the word Potpourri mean to you? 
Uh, it's a kaleidoscope of things. How's that for uh, <laughs> kaleidoscope? <colorful>? That's <laughs> yeah. a very col colorful answer there, Ron. Yes, thank you very much. Replace one sixty-four thousand dollar word with another sixty-four thousand dollar. You have taught me to take things from other things that are close in words. <laughs> what? Well, it's what they put in gumbo. Bag? Isn't it a little bag of like spices and stuff that you put in like your drawer to freshen your? Yes, socks it's a, It can be. Yeah, it's it can a, be. A combination, a mix of various things. So, yeah, there would be a French veritable potpourri. Yep. Like women for, put it in the lingerie drawer to get all spicy. Yeah. Potpourri um, Delvo. I can show my um, Rascan in the core oh, dump. Oh, yes. Nick, Nick Morenti's. We're going to do a core dump, and we're going to look Nick at a Rascan. Let me know when you're ready, and I will cue the title card. I'm ready if there's nothing okay. else on. So we're gonna we're gonna it's a professional show. We got a little intro graphic and sound bite here. And this one. Break. All right, ladies and gentlemen, get ready for a core dump with Nick Morenti. This time we're gonna show off a hardware project known as the RAS Scan. Take it away, Nick Morenti's crikey. All right. Well. Uh, <laughs> Rascan was a video digitizer I did uh, way back in, uh, I think it was 92. Uh, I've been doing software for some time. I thought I'd delve into a bit of hardware. So I did a Rascan video digitizer. And this is back in the, uh, the time when, before we had scanners and all the fancy video stuff on PCs. And I wanted a way where I can put a picture into the color computer. There were a few um, digitizers available for the color computer around that time. I think there was one called the Digisector. But the problem with all of those uh, was that you needed a multi-pack interface, and it was the cartridge that plugged into the multi-pack. And I didn't, I didn't have the money to buy a multi-pack, so I, I couldn't, couldn't get one of those. So I decided, well, I wonder if there's a way we can do a video digitizer that didn't need a multi-pack. So, bit of thinking, and I came up with uh, this uh, idea, and I, with a school friend of mine, we both uh, came up with a circuit, built a um, digitizer that plugged into the um, joystick cable, the joystick ports, because on a Coco 3, you have two fire buttons per joystick port, and I figured, well, two fire buttons, that's I could probably use those so that there are four bits of data coming into the computer. Anyway, uh, Rascan was made. And I'll switch to, uh, if we can just share the video, I'll uh, bring up the website. Go ahead. You have, you have the ability to share, my friend. I will. Um, <laughs> yes. You have my yeah. permission as well. <laughs> yes, that's right. Let's see if I can share the entire screen. Here we go. Is that working? I see your wallpaper now. There we go. Rascan Digiscan. Right. Okay. So that's uh, that's on my project website. So it all, all this information's uh, been up there for a while, but um, I've got I've, I can run the software as well, so you can see it. But my uh, website explains the digitizer, and uh, it has a bit of a history. Yeah. Um, can you see my mouse pointer? Yes, yes. we can. Yeah, so the very first design you can hear, I call it the Australian design. This is the first one I built. Mm -hmm. the, the next um, 
The next Raskan, it was sold to a company called GamePoint Software. Well, they wanted to, to manufacture it in the US and sell it in the US. So this was the GamePoint Point Software design, design number two. It was about uh, twice as large as the Australian one. It was quite a, a big brick. And then it was also um, picked up by another company called Supersoft who wanted me to make it for them, and I changed the design a little bit, and that was the third design of the Raskan digitizer. Um, now, I didn't, didn't really, it was quite a lot of work doing this, and uh, I, I lost a bit of money in, in doing it all. So eventually, I decided, okay, well, let's just rethink the whole thing and redo it in a more cost-effective approach. And that's when I desired, decided to change the design and I renamed the project to DigiScan, hence why the two names in the top of the screen. It started as Rascan, then it was um, an improved, more compact, cost-effective version called the DigiScan. And the picture you see in the top here is a DigiScan unit, unit it's much smaller. And if I just scroll down, there's a picture of it in the little board in there. It was all very tight, very compact, mm -hmm. ran off a battery. So battery wow. sat inside the unit. And uh, the software I wrote, I wrote various versions of the software. The original software for the Rascan was this one here where I had pop-up windows come up. Then when I did DigiScan, I did a, a different interface, um, much the same functions, but it was just a different interface. And towards the end, I had planned to do a DigiScan uh, 2 driver as well and just update it, but I never did complete that. I, I, got, I got sick of hardware and decided to get back to doing um, software, and that's when I, I wrote Cosmic Ambush and all that software after that. Now, I do have the software. Now, can you see my... Yeah, I see VCC. I'll just run the original Rascan software. Nick, do you still have these uh, hardware pieces? I I do. I have one of each. Yeah. Each? Yeah. yeah. Oops. Are they, hang on. are they working? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I haven't used them in years, but um, they do I have, work. Yeah. I have a friend who had, I think, the number two one. And um, oh, the white one. Well, the white one was uh, Yeah, it was sold in the U.S. and um, made in the U.S. as well. I I don't know how good that one was. The circuit board board was fairly large, and I thought was brought in a bit of noise into the signal, which is why I did the DigiScan to be a more compact model of keeping all the wires shorter, and it, it worked quite well. This is the Rascan software, fancy glitzy title to make absolutely. Up <laughs> <No>. <laughs> And this is it. Now, there's no picture in the background. So uh, the best thing is to load up a, a, an already captured picture. And the DigiScan could digit, digitize uh, an image and create either a 16-level gray or dithered image. You can't do 16 grays on a color computer, but you can do four grays and then dither them. So I've got a 16 dithered gray. Oh. Uh, I can choose the modes here. So I've got a 640 by 200 dithered 16 gray or a 640 by 200 solid four gray. 
Um, that's with basically the same as the one above, but no, yeah. no dithering. Um, 320 by 200, false colour, um, because it just used whatever colours the cocoa had and you could edit the colours to get the best, closest mix. And there was a special 4,096 dithered RGB colour, and that's, I think, the one that you're interested in seeing, Ron. Yes. And this came out before Sockmaster's High Colour. Sockmaster's High Colour is, is, uh, is better than this. But back then... The uh, the best way to get a lot of colours was to do a technique which was done on the Amiga. That the Amiga, when it earlier on had a video digitizer called the DigiView, and the way it obtained colour images was you captured with a video camera, you captured an image from the video, but you would put a firstly put a red um, color filter on the front of the camera so that it captured a 16 level gray image but that ha that had a red filter on it then you did it again the same image um, but this time you put a green filter on it and then again with a blue filter on the camera so you basically got a color image and you split it up into the primary colors of RGB using these color filters in front of a camera now um, th this also means that the picture has to be stable so it was no good for moving pictures you had to point it at something stable because it took about 30 seconds uh, thereabouts to actually sample that incoming video and generate the 16 level gray image so it was a, a slow scan style digitizer once I captured the three images of red, green, and blue, it then showed those um, that picture by setting the uh, by displaying the red picture and then the green picture and then the blue picture in sequence, very fast, frame for frame. So the optical effect you got was four thousand and ninety six colors well you know pseudo have you colors. got a have you got a sample of this we could see I will, and I what i'll do right. is first up i will load um i'd like to see the 16 gray too yeah okay, okay. well let's let's <laughs> load up i've got some samples on here and i'll just see which one's my gray does it drive i like three? the macintosh like in, uh, interface you got there yeah well let's put a hero up there yoda, yoda. <laughs> So that's Yoda in 16 dithered grays. So I'll just view it again, which is five. Yeah, so that, that's, uh, that's the Yoda. Okay, that looks good. Looks, looks, like, right. looks like you'd see something in a newspaper, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's... Very kind of lithography. Sort of, that's right, yeah. Then we've got color. So let's load a 16 color image, and I think I've got that on drive... Uh, gee, I've got to remember, zero, one, two, maybe it's on two. Yep, I do. So let's load, um, oh, well. Tiffany, come on. <laughs> if I remember correctly. Oh, these you want to see Tiffany. Oh, what a, <laughs> anyway, so, so here we're we have alone now. a 16-color image, and that's using the uh, – 16 colors selected from the Coco standard palette of 64. 
and then of course there's the um that's the, the, would you consider that a best songs. effort is that a <laughs> is that a best effort rgb portrayal uh well that's a 16 level gray image and then i manually put colors in uh, you can actually edit the colors so because the color the digitizer only captures gray 16 levels of gray ah it it's a monochrome input right but it would interpret then the colors as being the each gray as a color but of course it didn't know what the original color was so then you could go in and you could edit those 16 colors until you got the best look okay. so there there's yeah there's options on the menu there for editing colors and custom painting and all that but let's go in and load the 4096 and that is on drive one i think yeah and so let's look at uh or oh, sam fox i'm sure everyone wants to see Samantha and, and fox is such a wild name yeah okay the, so it loads I they came with the digi scan as part of the demo uh okay there's the red yes, it was, yeah. there's the so green there's the green filtered image we saw the red and now the there's blue, the blue. So same image captured three times but each time it had a um uh, a color filter so this was a photo i pointed the camera at and i took three images with the red green and blue and now i if i this uh, if i view it it would play each one the red the green and the blue and just sequence through it fast the problem is of course you do see flicker hmm. because it's flicking between three pictures you do see a bit of a flicker which unlike uh, sock masters, which he, the technique he uses flickers between two. So he gets a bit less flicker, but I have the supposedly potential of 4,096 colors. It's not real, but um, let's see. Now, I don't know how fast the internet is showing that because it's uh, the bandwidth is not going to show it properly. Yeah. It's it, looking yeah, very not, psychedelic right now, yeah. Yeah, at the moment, the bandwidth isn't fast enough to keep up with the cycling of three colors. But if you imagine... Uh, <laughs> if you well, imagine. we saw this. You showed us this in Zoom the other night, and it looked... Yeah. Zoom yeah. might have been a bit faster, well, maybe. We're, but... We are in Zoom right now. No, but... no, but not, not stream. No, we're oh, in, not streaming. Oh, no. oh, was no, it that's Discord? Wrong. Maybe it was Discord. Discord. Yeah. Discord. Maybe it was Discord. But okay. yeah, on the real screen, you do see all the colors minus plus a little bit of a flicker there. Okay. Now, it's, it's a bit more flicker than the. Yeah, um, I mean, every now and then I do see in my. Yeah. My retinal refresh, I do see like some shades of yellow and stuff that aren't there. So yeah. That's right. Uh, so no, it, yeah, it's a bit hard over the internet. Now, this is how astrophotography was well, before we had uh, color cameras, we had uh, these wheels. That would filter exactly, yeah. and then they'd take the three pictures, stack them, and then uh, print a picture. Oh, there we go. Yeah. This looks better right now. Is this going back to 16? Well, colors? this is going to back to a 16 color because it's um, Tiffany, it's Tiffany. I everyone, think we're to alone Tiffany. now. It's so beautiful, yeah. So, with this one, you can edit the colors. As I said, it captures 16 level gray, but then it assigns a color for um. Uh, 16 from the 16 colors that the Kogo does, which will be wrong um, because it's not actually interpreted. Then you go in and you edit the colors. And I bring up this thing and I pick the color I want to edit, such as I don't know, there's a bit of a blue in there somewhere. Um, and then um, select it, and it shows at the very top of the screen, it shows you all 64 colors 
and I basically can just roll around. You can see the face changing as I yeah. choose the color. So the idea is you manually adjust it for the correct okay. color. Okay. And, and that's how you can fine tune it. Neat. So you can make it look pretty yeah. bad, that, bad case of acne. Yeah, yeah. That looks much better. Yeah. <laughs> this segment brought to you by Clearacell. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so that was the Rascan driver software. Um, I can't remember what I had in special. Um, uh, there's a histogram function as well. It's processing the image. It just show you showed you the levels. Yeah. Anyway. So that was. I the love your. I love your pop-up menus and how it looks very Mac-like. This is like old Mac classic. Yeah. Menus and yeah. fonts. Really Can you cool. show us that in in the black and white in the? Can we see uh, Tiffany in yes, sixty four shades of gray? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Um, should I reload her, her face now that I've destroyed it? Sure. I'll reload. I'll reload her face. Oh, come here. <laughs> oh, nightmares. Load seven drive. What was it on? Two, I think. Yeah, fifty. So let's let's fix her face up. So okay. Grant, you're no. not muted. No, only okay. for three, two and, and a half hours. Switch. Only for two and a half hours. Uh, I just muted Grant because he's That's like, "That's a good I idea." I don't know what the hell he's talking to. All right, you might you might actually hear a Grant leaky happen too. So we gotta be careful. All right, so sixteen gray, four gray. Um, yeah, but the the grays are currently configured for the red. Um, mm. How did I change that? I forget how to change that. <laughs> it's been <laughs> such a long time. <laughs> anyway, well, a redhead. Ima imagine that in gray. Yeah, there is a way to do it, but I can't remember now. No, oh, that's I all right. I think I know. I'm pointing to the wrong buffer. But anyway, that doesn't matter. I loaded it into the red buffer. Okay. But, yeah, imagine that in black, in, in grayscale. So it's sort of not too bad. A bit a bit grainy um, from the dithering, but we can't display four, uh, 16 yeah. levels of gray. So this was uh, the Now, would, would this product have been able to give us a real-time view of the video feed? Could you, could you watch live no, video on your no, Coco with no. us? No. No, it wasn't. No, it, it it's not a frame capture digitizer. Okay. It's a slow scan one. Yeah. What's the thing, Ron Delvaux, You were using a long time ago, where you're watching Star Trek on your Coco through that video digitizer. That was yeah. That was the digi scan. Um, he, was, he was using a digi scan, and it has a, a real time mode that captured right. a few less levels of gray, so okay. it could do it fast. And it was it also it plugged into the uh, multi-pack and it was you know it directly accessed the bus so it could run far it could transfer data quicker mm, cool very cool so as, remember this was going through the joystick ports so yeah you had a, a bit of a bottleneck there um i do have the digiscan software but it, it basically did the same things but it was a different user interface um as you can see from the uh from yeah. the graphic on the website it was just okay. a, yeah a more um conventional i suppose interface with buttons and stuff but that was digiscan i had that going for about i think i ran that for about three years i was building stuff selling to the us and all that but so uh, you were building I, these by hand yeah by hand each, wow. one. each one and then yeah. test it and then send it yeah i had a digiscan 
and the wiring actually came off the circuit board and I didn't attempt to rewire it because I didn't know where anything went. So in other words, you lost the wires here that probably went to the potentiometers. See, the way the way the digi and rescans worked is you had two dials on the on the front where you would adjust the peak white level of the incoming picture and the peak black level. And you adjusted them until you got a good the uh, the levels coming in from the uh, camera you would adjust it so that you got the best capture fix for the uh, 16 levels of gray once you yeah. got it looking okay then you just captured the image and the ds69 did that on the fly with software yeah that's right yeah now it had control uh, via the bus you can control right. it this was all via the joysticks and you can see the cables hanging out the back of the the boxes they uh, they went to the um to the joystick ports and actually the rascans um the design one uh was battery operated and then when we went to the us one design two um it was using a power pack, so it had to plug into into the power point. That's right. Now I remember the problem. Uh, it was originally ba battery powered. Um, the design one was the design three one. The US one was a, needed a bit more power mm -hmm. it had to be AC powered. But the problem we had was that whenever you went to capture an image, you had to turn the unit on. There's a little toggle switch uh, on this one. You can see it on the left. That one has it on the left as well. Actually, they all have it on the left. You had to switch it on, let it scan, and then switch it off when it finished. And that worked, except most people forgot to turn it off once it's finished scanning. And it sat there scanning continuously until the battery went flat. So when mm. I designed the DigiScan, I thought I'm going to fix that problem. <laughs> if people are too stupid to start, turn it off, even though it said <laughs> turn off, <laughs> the, the software would say, you know, I've finished, turn off the DigiScan. Well, they never did. So with uh, the RASCAN, the DigiScan, it had a third cable. Um, you can't see the cables on the um, drawings, on the photos but the third cable plugged into the cassette port and it used the relay on the cassette to turn itself on so the software turned it on and then turned it off ah. and that was the problem so it was never left on then the <laughs> it, it knew when to uh, turn itself off uh, so you and, used uh, both uh, joystick ports both joystick ports and on the digiscan it used the cassette port as well okay i actually picked mine up from colin north Can oh I yeah know colin yeah yes he sold his entire setup to me when he went to pc yeah yeah sucker have you thought about making a video with one of yours and actually digitizing some picture or that's uh not really uh, there's not too much interest now to do video capture this way this was the old school way of way of doing it this is before you know pcs and we could you know get images scanned on a pc or the video capture or even on the internet and then convert a completed image straight across to the coke you know, well, this, was, this is the es this is the essence of back then that's no. right it's the pain that that we want yes the pain is the journey. That's why it would be cool to see you struggle, struggle. and put together 
<laughs> I, I'd have to set it up. I, I don't know if I've. I'd have to see if my video camera still works and if I've still sure. got the color filters and all that. That so, would be a, a neat little project to see. May, maybe cool. one day we'll, we I can organize something to show live demos or live video of it. Yeah. Let's see if you've still got the patience. Well, <laughs> who else has one of these? I mean, uh, there were uh, over a hundred sold. So, oh. Yeah, there's quite a few that went out. Ah. Hey, I just want to say a couple of things. Number one, um, uh, Brian Schubring, I don't know what he had a problem getting in. Uh, I, need, I need some of you guys to keep an eye on the uh, participants room. So when people want to join, we need to let them in. So I don't know if Brian had a challenge. I saw Brian was on the call earlier, but apparently he posted a message on Facebook saying, why am I being blocked? And so nobody's being blocked from Zoom. However, we've, we have to manually allow people in, and if we're not seeing that you're there, I apologize for not letting you in. So I need, I need you guys to also keep an eye on that participant room for me because a lot of times my screens are covered. I've um, been watching it. Yeah. I didn't see Brian. Okay. I don't know. that. Okay, so just, just so you know. And so, Terry, I also made you one, uh, a moderator for, for Zoom. Uh, I also want to say hi to uh, Erico or Erico out there. So, uh, Eric, uh, if you'd like to join us, too, let me know. We can post a link for you to join us on Zoom. But Eric does a lot of cool artwork um, for the Coco. He's doing a lot of semi-graphics artwork. I think he was working or giving some feedback to um, to um, Timberman guy. I can't think of his name right now. Paul Thayer, the Slayer. Because uh, Paul, Paul Thayer is working on that low-res 16-color uh, Coco 3 mode where he had his little Street Fighter guys, and they kind of look like semi-graphics. So I know I know Erico Arico does a lot of work in that front. I'm sure he does other things too. But uh, um, I'm just going to call you Eric. Uh, if you're still out there, hello and thank you for all you do. If you'd like to join us on the call, I'll give you the link to join us on Zoom. For those of you who have been trying to join, if we have not been able to add you to the call, it was not intentional. You're not being blocked. It was just an oversight or possibly a technical challenge. Um, but nobody's being blocked here on joining the Zoom call. Um, Thank you, Nick Marentes, for sharing that. Yep. You are too kind. Nick, um, I have one, one more question, Nick. Yep. You know how um, high color works and it assigns colors to um, the gray levels, evidently, and makes yep. a picture look really nice. Now, uh, is that a new kind of um, software thing or something that you could have done with your RASCAN and made it more... Um, uh, well, if I could uh, have done what Sockmaster did, once I've captured the red, the green, and the blue, I would use whatever algorithms he had to get the information from the red, green, and blue buffers and do what he was doing. It was a, bit, a, a more mathematical process. and um, So it is was possible. Able, it is possible, yeah. Cool. But, yeah, back then in 92, I mean, I didn't know all the math. I could barely add two numbers to get together. So um, <laughs> <it's>, um, <laughs> I, I just knew from the Amiga that if you capture a red-filtered image and then a green and a blue and then just play them back really fast, that magic happens, and it did. <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's cool. John Linville in the live chat says, for what it's worth, I have a digi scan. Is that the one you had too, Rondelvo, the uh, video streamer thingy? 
Brad DS69, which is the okay. one. Yeah, with he, the had, he had a d- another one, but the wasn't the that GG the skin. um wasn't that the series that followed Star Trek: The Next Generation DS69? Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, A or B. <laughs> um, so I want to get back to something. We showed off some of the adventure oh. game our AGD stuff. Uh, are we, we showed. Still on? Are we still on? Are you still there? Can you hear me, Nick? Yeah. Nick Mer- Nick Morentes, do you copy? I don't know why Nick said are we still on. Can everybody else still hear me in the Zoom call? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So um, um, uh, so James Diffendaffer posted a link to Donkey Kong Relo- Reloaded as it appears on the Spectrum, which is what we are porting from. So this is what it should look like with the proper colors and proper sound probably too. So we'll go ahead and fire this up real quick. So this is the title screen. Oh, wow. My goodness. It looks better, right? So these are the barrels that are moving. Yeah, okay. So you're basically moving on platforms. You've got monkeys moving back and forth, and then there are the barrels rolling back. I got to say, the animation on those barrels looks pretty damn good, eh? The animals are black and white, though. Yeah, well, there's only so many colors this thing can do. Yeah. Um, They didn't do... Turn up the volume a little bit. This looks good. Now, of course, the version that we would be looking at on the Coco and the Dragon would be monochrome. But you can kind of see what the gameplay is like here. So this is kind of like Donkey Kong meets platform style game. Oh, look at this. We got jellyfish in the water. Yeah, it's something interesting with the color attributes on this system, how the characters will turn different colors depending on what they're next to. Oh, he just got hit. Um, no, I got to say, this is kind of interesting. You see how he's kind of lost behind the bricks now. So it's almost like a negative masking of the character where his color will change based on what's behind him. He's got hit by the monkey. Yeah, those monkeys look pretty good, too. One of the monkeys has got a... Uh, like a, a, a scuba mask. What? So, uh, what? What computer was this on? I. This is this is the Spectrum version of that ah, uh, yeah. Donkey Kong um, remix game for the uh, that's on the AGD. Oh, he yeah. just threw the hammer. So the hammer is a projectile. That's actually kind of cool. Now here's some boost. So these are your pickup prizes. It looks like the character absorbs the color of what it's next to sometimes. Too. No, you, you can only have two colors per byte mapped. So it's black. Oh. Yes. So as soon as uh, another color comes in, well, it, it can't have, say, three colors in that byte. So it okay. has to sacrifice it. So hence it changes color to match the background. It's kind of like the semi-graphics where you could have black and one other color yeah. inside one grid, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Who the hell's yawning right now? <laughs> Are we keeping somebody awake here? What's going on? Is Grant taking a dumpy right now? No, this is neat. And it's got a lot of different types. Like this one looks like, kind of like a Pac-Man maze with ghosts. and Diego's showing us some, some video from some fairies. That... They look like disemboweled thumbs. Yeah, neat. Okay, so you get a better idea of what the gameplay looks like here. So that's kind of cool. So this is this is an example of well, what you can... that's cool. 
what the hell is going on here? That was neat. Yes, I don't know what the hell's going on here. All right, so cool stuff, cool stuff, cool stuff. Thanks, James, for finding that link and posting that link for us. Um, so yeah, so the the AGD arcade game designer. What's um, going on down there? Is is what? Uh, oh, what do we got here? Diego's here. Diego, do you copy? Uh, yeah, guys, I'm actually in a, the kind of first convention ever of retro computing here in Uruguay. And, uh, well, there are some talks and technical talks and stuff like that. And, well, since since you were there, There's I wanted one. to share a little bit with you. Yes, <laughs> we, we posted this picture from Facebook. Here's your little corner of the uh, event, huh? Yep. yep. Yeah, there's a, a, a Tandy 1000 over there. Also, I didn't even know that somebody had one. Mm, neat. Very cool. Neat. Well, name yeah, okay, some that's, of these. That's, uh, whoa, whoa. So, yeah, there's there's a very neat collection around here. There is. And this is in Uruguay, right? Right, yeah. So yeah, some people came not, from neighboring countries also. You're not the only Coco owner in your country now, apparently, huh? Well, I'm the only Coco. Yeah. Uh, are these <laughs> machines NTSC or? Yeah, no, there's uh, Sinclair's, Amstrad's, MSX, Atari's, you name it, but just one Coco and that's mine. What's this? What's the TV signaling though? Is it NTSC? Is it uh, PAL or? PAL. PAL? PAL? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. yep. There's a Tandy 1000 right there. Hey. Yeah. And right next to that is the Atom computer. Is that the Coleco Atom? We were just talking about that, right? That's the Coleco Atom computer. Yeah. That's right. Which has got a ColecoVision built into it, basically. So that's cool. These are ZX Spectrums. Mm. That's what we were just watching. Spectrum. Yeah. Oh, so there's a presentation going on right now, huh? No. We should have uh, subtitles. Do they know that there's thousands <laughs> of people watching? Yeah, there's, 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 there's tens of elevens of people watching right now. So, um, L, L retro, L computer. <laughs> Twenty-five on Facebook. We um, have uh, these systems had ocho bits. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, guys. So that looks yeah, cool, well, man. So our own Uruguay retro fest going on here. We're seeing it yep. live. What time is it in Uruguay right now, Diego? It's uh, five thirty. Five thirty p.m. That's right. So you're only an hour ahead of us. Yep. Yep. Okay. You're not. You're not that far into the future. That's right. You Did moved you your thoughts. <laughs> we didn't. Did you eat dinner already? I haven't eaten anything at all today. No, that would make me hangry. Two, two chocolate cookies, uh, and that's it. And small, small cookies. Do they have cookies there at the show, like we do at Cocoa Fest? Yeah, Jim Brain's daughter brought us cookies and brownies. Uh, here we here we have a kitchen. Okay. I make your own cookies. <laughs> Say hello. This this Hola. is a, a live video show from the U.S. for retro computing Hello, that I'm broadcasting to them. Hi, cheers. 
Nice. Oh. oh. They have beards there. Oh, look at that. <laughs> we just got flashed by a dude. Um, Better grab a cookie. Hey, good looking beard there, Cerveza. dude. Cerveza. Nice. This is a Guru Meditation. Battle Toads. What does that say there? Radio Force? Guru Meditation. It's an Amiga era. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. Commodore shirt. Nice. Excellent. No tattoos, huh? Oh, look at this. This is a. What is that show? This looks like that. Uh... Why is my video doing this? What what the hell is going on to where my video is doing this now? That's really cool. TV. Yeah. Yeah. I think this show was Mysterious Cities of Gold. Yeah. Yeah, it's a VHS actually. What do you got playing on there? Look like uh, Rampage. Rampage. Yeah. I'm going to make some videos and perhaps try to share something later, depending on what goes okay. on here. Okay. Is that an FM7 there? Uh, no. No. Oh, it's this? an Atari. Oh. Yeah, we have this is uh, Atari 800. Uh, 130. Excel. 130. Sorry, yeah. And Still had a better keyboard than the 400. Philips MSX2. Oh, neat. Looks like they retrobrighted that one. <laughs> no, that's how it was, black. Yeah, no. Oh. <laughs> and, and this, this I gotta ask. Oh, okay. This is a Brazilian clone of something. I don't know what, but I have to ask. Later. A Brazilian clone of something that narrows it down. It sounds like they cloned everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy! Uh, Brazilian clone. Okay, guys, I'm going to to leave you mingle a little bit around right. here. Hey, hey, Diego, thank you so much for yeah, uh, that great. that that little bit of a peek into. You know, the Uruguay uh, retro event. Uh, very cool stuff, brother. Yep. Yep. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So okay. um, thank you. Thank you. You're too Take kind. Another yeah. exotic yeah. feed. Yeah. Exotic. <laughs> so this is, we're still living up to the potpourri title here today. So uh, yep. while, while he was showing off the Coleco Adam, Mike Craig and Facebook are saying, some funny thing about the Coleco Adam, the power supply unit was in the printer with no printer, you had no atom, right? I'd also heard that that power supply or printer unit could actually somehow demagnetize your cassette tapes if you didn't do something properly yes. to protect the tapes, right? Um, Those tapes also ran at fast speed. I remember that. Yeah, and then uh, now Fred is also saying, I understand there is a power supply replacement unit for the printer. Uh, and then Mike Craig was saying, hola, amigos, to our friends in Uruguay over there. Very cool stuff. Well, yeah, I think uh, I don't think the show is going to get any better at this point. We should probably quit while we we're, while we are where we are. Um, not a bad show, guys. We covered some stuff. Um, I believe we refrained from being raunchy the entire time. I don't know. I mean, Nick Morota gets out of line a little bit sometimes, but um, I think the rest of us rest of us towed the line and kept things civilized. I do apologize in advance for Nick Morota. Looks um, like he's got a stake in his head, don't it? Yeah, <laughs> Chad Edward is there. <laughs> Chad uh, Edward, real Australian. 
Crikey. Crikey. <laughs> we, we actually have more, stra- more uh, I guess, uh, an acronyms than that. Yeah. Well, we have to yeah. share some more Australian. We should have our own version of how to speak Australian commercials, like those Foster commercials. We should have our own versions of that. No, I yeah. love that. I am Nick Marionette. <laughs> and there's Diego still showing us some stuff off. All right. So uh, anybody, I'm going to roll the credits. We'll have some post-credits parting thoughts. But before we roll the credits, do we have any pre-credit parting thoughts? Did uh, Fedor come back? Fedor, I don't see him in the waiting room. Yeah, so to Fedor, who might have had an issue, to Brian Schubring, the music man, nobody has been blocked. We are not trying to prevent anybody from joining Zoom. However, I don't know why you had an issue, but we do apologize for those who could not connect. If we missed seeing you in the waiting room before we let you in, not intentional. Um, Nobody's blocked here. It's a beautiful thing. Um, uh, Steve Bjork could have potentially been blocked. Mm, nobody's blocked ron stop <laughs> saying the b word nobody's block here um so anybody else pre-parting thoughts before we roll the closing credits anyone anyone can't wait for the closing credits can't wait for the closing credits all right so we're gonna go ahead and cue the outro here we go folks this concludes another episode of coco talk the world's leading live talk show featuring the tandy color computer For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marenkis, Ron Delvaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Stegney, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore.
There we go. Name so nice, it must be said thrice. It's Nick Marota. Nick Marota. Behind me. Nick Marota. So Mike Craig is wishing us adios, farewell, and adieu. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nick Marota says, what a cool feature. Quick erase, right, of your <laughs> Adam cassettes, right? <laughs> All right. So. It's not a uh, feature. Parting, parting thoughts. Anyone? Final words. Chad, thanks for being here again. Alan Huffman, thanks for being back. Always a pleasure to have you, Alan Huffman. Uh, Grant Leedy has been muted, thankfully, so we haven't had to hear him. Uh, Fedor has been. Fedor's back. Fedor, are you here? Fedor, going once, going twice. Nick Marota, thanks for being here. Thanks for showing off your stuff, your Coco Tray, your Coco Trois, whatever it's called. Um, Rob, Raul, because I, I was just watching Rob Inman on the live chat. Rob Inman says, D. Bruce Moore is an international treasure. I would agree with you. Ron Delvaux, thank you for being here. Thank you for all you do. You've been uh, very social this week. Fedor is saying goodnight. Mark Bosley, thank you for always being the streaming demon, helping us keep that Tandy Flame alive. Terry Steggy, thank you for having the most uh, prestigious TDP electronics collection in Northern America. Nick Morenti's crikey, Nick. You've crikey. outdone yourself again. Crikey. And Fedor. <laughs> All right, so small panel, short show. Where Tom C was here. Tom, I was going to show off your Jersey stuff, but Tom wasn't here. Maybe we'll do an After Dark tonight. And just to make sure, because sometimes maybe people are confusing the different shows, but this show has been accused of being raunchy, which I would say is possibly not necessarily an accurate statement. We are sometimes edgy and sophomoric, yes. But we also have, on occasion, Coco Talk After Dark, where we don't intentionally censor ourselves. We don't go out of our way to be vulgar, but we can be more like guys hanging around in a locker room uh, talking how guys talk. So the After Dark show is a show where we let, for those of us who have hair, we let it down, and we just talk <laughs> a little more freely. So we may or may not have an After Dark this evening uh it's been a short show so maybe some of us will have something else to talk about tonight qui-gon says good night tom c says i was late sorry so maybe tonight tom we can do a retro talk and you can show off our um show off our footage from vcf east who knows all right guys i have been stevie stroh on behalf of all of us here on the panel i want to thank all of you who've been watching us live i want to thank everybody who's been with us on this ride for 111 episodes we hope to not disappoint. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. We are not going anywhere. Coco Talk will remain the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Bless our hearts. And Joe Burnett says, After Dark, please. So we got one vote for After Dark. All right, guys, I'm going to press the button in three Mississippi. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Okay, good night. <laughs> goodbye. Pressing the button. Bye-bye now.